Hello and welcome back to the Game Pit. This is episode 128 and we tried to lock him out. We tried to change the locks, but he's managed to get back in. Here's Ronan. I was in the walls the whole time. I'm watching you. <laughs> That's not untrue. <laughs> I was getting Just Eat delivered. Don't worry, I didn't I didn't go amiss. <laughs> Hello, everyone. You're very welcome. Hello, Sean. Hello, Ronan. Welcome back. It sounds like, I was going to say, did you miss me? Clearly, you didn't miss me. Not so much. Not so much. <sighs> Tough being me, man. It's tough being me. Uh, we need to be as upbeat and positive as we can be, Sean, because there's nothing but a litany of disaster coming up in the first half of this episode. It's going to start slow, especially <laughs> on this end of, of proceedings. It's not much better on this end, let me tell you. So the, around this time last year, we decided... and. Lordy knows why, but we decided we'd do the 10 by 10 challenge. You decided, he bullied me, obviously, because you're much bigger than me, and I had no say in the matter. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll go with that version of events, Mr. Pitspit instigator. <laughs> Pitspit. <laughs> I still, I'm not sure any of the alternatives are any better, but anyway. Come on, come on, you, you must have liked Pitter Patter, or as I've mended it, Pit Patter from the last episode, Ronan, come on. Great. I'm, it's genius. I'm pretty sure that's in the book of things we never talk about. <laughs> okay. It's so, better than Pittsburgh. It's not. <laughs> but thanks, Soren, for your abusive DM on Board Game Geek about it. Oh, and thank, thanks, Paul, for his 873 entries into the competition. <laughs> Women's Hour, I particularly liked. <laughs> Anyway, uh, 10 by 10 is what we're trying to talk about. We this time last year, we tried to do a 10 by 10 challenge where you pick 10 games and you play them 10 times over the next year. And it proved to be, I think challenge is the operative word in this 10 by 10, Sean, because neither 10 nor 10 are the operative words. They really aren't. And there are reasons for that. Some of them personal, some of them to do with the podcast, some of them just logistical. But yeah, it, we did well, don't, quite... don't beat around the bush for us. Well, give us some reasons. What had it go for you in general? So in general, it went pretty poorly. I didn't manage one ten by ten, Ronan. In fact, if I'm looking over the whole year, don't, don't ruin the gold. But go on. <laughs> if I'm looking over the whole year, there's only two games that I managed to play more than ten times or ten times minimum. And one of them was Top Trumps, Ronan. Again, I'm still upset that you log those on Board Game Geek. When I look back over the year, there's five games that I managed to play more than ten times, but only one of them was actually in this challenge, so there's my spoiler for later. And as I look down, what I can see, there's an awful lot of games that have been played four, five, six times, and those are the ones we've reviewed in Picking Over the Bones. Yeah. And the 10 by 10 although in terms of getting those 100 plays in correctly, hasn't been successful. I think it has sort of refocused me a little bit in how I play games, why I play games, who I play games with, and how I want to play games going forward. There's a lot of things we can talk. It's like a little therapy session at the start of this episode. It certainly made me realise that I actually do play a lot of family-oriented games. So four of the games that I've played the most this year have been family-oriented games or games to straight-up children's games. It's also garnered me, Ronan, towards that Christmas period, having done the 10 by 10 I was just thinking, you know what? I want to play things for me now. <laughs> like, the podcast, we kind of have a little hiatus around Christmas time. And 
yeah, we just play stuff that we want to play. And I really had a good time just picking things off the shelf because I wanted to play it, not because we have to review it in two weeks. Yeah, I mean, each Pick It Over the Bows episode with the six games, it's a minimum 20 plays, more more towards 25. To cover those six games for us, we each take the lead on three of them. And when you take the lead, you want to have played it five, six or more times so that you actually have some depth in that off play. But that dominates that play, that four to six weeks period, absolute dominates. And one of the things I was looking at is that exactly what you were talking about there about playing the games that you really like, which is the whole point of the 10 by 10 we chose 10 games that we really like in order to get more plays of them, is that when I'm with my gaming friends or a gaming group, if I get a chance to choose a game, I'm obliged to choose a game more often than not that is one we're going to review because that's my chance to play it with four players or five players or gamers or I've played it three times with Sean or Ellie or Rachel and now I get a different perspective from other players or I get a chance to play it strategically differently. So my picks, you know, everyone's got that sort of a rotation of who picks what games to do. Not a a straitjacket of a one, but, you know, just a polite social thing. My picks are always going on picking over the bones games. Yeah, I've like recently started playing uh, games with Matthew Jude from uh Oh, right, name dropper. <laughs> name dropper, yeah, from this game is broken, etc. because uh, he lives around the corner from me. Um, he didn't realize until UK Games Expo last year. But yeah, very much when we meet up, he's got a mandate because he reviews games and he takes a look at games for various industry things that he does. And obviously I've got the podcast and at the moment I'm trying to thin the collection and I'm trying to play a load of games that I haven't actually managed to play and I'm not sure if I'm going to like or not so that I can maybe bring them to the Bring On By Aircon, for instance. So we've both got a mandate and I know mine will, once Aircon's done, will change to that. Uh, can we play this for the podcast, please? So, yeah. You're just prepping Matthew, are you? Just saying, by the way, you have no more picks for the rest of the year after March. <laughs> Now he gets one, we get one, and mine will almost definitely be for picking over the bones. Yeah, that's one of the way it goes. Um, another thing within the games I chose, I chose a few two-player games in the idea that Rachel and I obviously live together. We both like games, that's how we met. And the idea that we would sit down and, and play games, it would be quite easy to get the two-player games done. Turns oh. out, not as much, because... We are, even though we both love games, we don't just play two-player games that often together. And it's something that actually we, we've been talking about since you know, I was doing the 10 by 10 and we realised maybe we should make more time for that together time to just us two to play games, do something that we like. She works hard. She's getting home late in the evening. If I'm on shifts, if I'm on late turn, I'm not home when she gets in. If I'm on early turn, I'm going to bed an hour after she gets in. So uh, maybe even like in other spheres, not just within gaming, doing something like this has helped me sort of realise how I use my time. Am I just wasting time sometimes? Do I need to make more quality time to spend with people? Yeah, 100%. And it's... Something it's you've achieved me, recently, right? Yeah, well, it's, it's made me appreciate the the beauty of the gaming because at the moment with it, with an extra child coming into the house and the expenditure that goes with that, he'll be starting nursery soon. My wife isn't working because she's on maternity leave and not getting a lot of pay. And I'm travelling to and from London quite a lot, so that's costing money. So, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, like, this is the absolute perfect. We've already got the games in. I've decided not to buy so many games because I'm just not getting the ones I've got played. So 
all of a sudden the focus is on my collection at the moment and playing games as I said that I want to play and I'm actually really enjoying it so I'm not actually chomping at the bit to buy the latest release anymore and it's an uplifting feeling man yeah I don't think it's any coincidence that you having that feeling I've stuck myself to getting way fewer games each month and also I've reduced the size of my collection and I think actually the Templeton helped focus those feelings that we've had around it, that we, we don't play the games we love enough, we need to utilise our plays more, you know, more quality, you know, just buying in random rubbish to play it two or three times. You kind of go, oh, why not? It only costs 15 quid, it only costs 20 quid. It's time that's the most important resource there that's getting wasted as opposed to money. And this isn't new. Lots of people talk about this in board game media. I just actually... The most important thing I've taken out of this 10 by 10 is that sort of focus around use the time well, don't just get in any old cruddy games and you know waste your time playing them. And also what an impact the podcast has on our gaming lives and in fact our free time and leisure time and whether we still enjoy doing that and whether we want to. And I do. Yes, 100%. And Ronan, you'll be proud of me. I've actually started to delete those those crazy sales that come up on the on the, for, on the forums on Board Game Geek when someone said like, "Oh, Board Game Guru's having a sale, Games Lord's having a sale." I'm like, "Stay away, stay away. You don't need this. One. You don't need a twenty pound game that you've never heard of." <laughs> I still look. I admit that I still look. If it's a, if it's a real bargain, I, I might well snipe in. Try and look on my shelf to see what the last bargain game I got. Oh. I got those half price games, didn't I? Exodus yes, you Fleet. Did. What else did I buy? It was Exodus Maiden's Fleet. Quest, was it? Maiden's Quest. I don't know. I don't think I was on sale. I think I got that from Board Game Guru when it came out. Oh, did you? Gonna oh. chat about. Yeah, I've been enjoying that solo game. Good rule book, eh? Oh, stinking, stinking rule book. Just thought, it's it's a solo game with a few cards in it, and the first fifteen pages are explanations of stuff before they tell you how to play the game. Anyway. It gets worse from there. Shall we move on to our actual 10x10? 10 10? We've been we've been rambling around the subject. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, the, the games that we pledged to play 10 times last year. Mm. That pledge has been well and truly stamped on. Uh, you first or me first? What do we... Uh, I don't mind going first. Go get, for it. Get, get the shame over and done with. So, we're going to start fewest to most. And one of my fewest, there's a, there's a tie here. <laughs> is <laughs> is Justice League Dawn of Heroes. So if you remember way back when in Essen 2017, uh, it was top of my excitement list. Really, really excited to get this one. Uh, really wanted to play it, get it to the table super quick. My excitement was dampened somewhat by the quality of the components and the initial feedback from people who had been playing the game. It did sort of push back the opening of the box and sort of getting out the rule book. And it was then that I found that the English rule book wasn't in there. Didn't really help matters. And I haven't really been bothered to contact them and request another English rule book. So I will do it. I'll hopefully get one. Um, you won't. You reckon? Never get, if you haven't done it in 18 months or whatever, uh, it's, no it's way the Justice League. I keep looking and thinking, I really need to give that a go because even if it's half good, I'll enjoy it. Because Yeah, but if you've been that deflated that in 18 months you haven't been bothered, because only one of the rule books is online, right? And you're missing the other one. So you can't right, even yeah. print it or anything. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. 
I remember when we previewed it, we were trying to preview it, but only half the information was online, so you couldn't even that's, preview it properly. That's it, yeah. So, like, you, your core rules are online, but then you've got a book that talks you through, um, set up and stuff like that, and how to go through the scenarios, etc. And that's the one that's not available. <laughs> it's Yeah, you, you, you're possibly right. I still have it in the back of my mind that I really want to try this game, because it, it is Justice League, and I, I love me some DC comics, but, yeah disappointing so you had zero plays of justice justice league moby dick <laughs> that's the one <laughs> <laughs> right i've got one of the 10 that had zero plays i do have a half valid excuse for this one as well this is dark moon the uh, stronghold games hidden social deduction awful game. game it's not an awful game it's a very good game Sean doesn't like it because it's not in his wheelhouse, not because it's... No, no, not even that, because I think it just brings out the worst in people. It makes me dislike people. Yeah, because you're so judgy. It's just a social (laughs) deduction game. And you're actually starting to make like character judgments of people because they've lied in the game. That's, That's all down to you. Right. What happened with Dark Moon was... I presumed that I'd get to play it in settings with more players. It needs probably five to be decent, but if you get more than that, it becomes even funnier and more fun. So I was looking at cons and stuff like that, and the first time I took it to a con was the first Lobster Con in the first bank holiday in May last year, but I didn't take it. I had to go from work, and Rachel drove down with the games in the car, and she unloaded the car herself and got all the games out and all the rest of it, and there was quite a few of them. And somehow ended up with the little rucksack with Dark Moon and a few bits and bobs in it chucked under a table beneath a tablecloth somewhere. And John Mitchell, who's a mate of ours who listens to the podcast, came up because he'd seen it at my temple tennis and said, oh, we're going to play Dark Moon. I was like, oh, yeah, great. Looking around everywhere for it. Oh, John, I mustn't have brought it, mate. Oh, I'm really sorry. Only to find out about four months later, it was under that table and the hotel had found it and I didn't get it back again till November. So this one has got a semi-valid excuse why there are zero plays of it. Also, my gaming group don't particularly like social deduction games anymore. They played a lot of Resistance, whatever, back in the day and kind of moved on for it. Again, it kind of creates a bit of tension and people get a little bit knocking with each other here and there. So Dark Moon was zero plays in 2018, which is a shame. Yeah, I think it is one of those games you do have to find the right group, people who want to explore it, get into it, that, like myself, not going to take it too personally. Yeah, I can see why you struggled. I, I don't, you've obviously showed no commitment. You haven't you haven't gone down to Eastbourne to get it. I've got it now. I've you've got, got it now, yeah. The second one, yeah. <laughs> I was talking about driving down to Eastbourne and getting it, and then, you know, four-hour, five-hour round journey just to pick up one game. I was like... Uh, I'll get it in November. It's fine on it. <laughs> your, your next one. Right. So my next one was, and I, I said it at the time, it was the biggest stretch. It was very likely to not be played, and it wasn't. It's a game I still do really love, and it's This War of Mine. It's a very divisive game. I think some people want to play it, but those people tend to play it once and are like, you know what, it's not really a game you can play back-to-back lots and lots of times because of the subject matter. Natalie certainly is very hesitant to play. She's agreed to play it, but at a push, and I'm not going to make that push because I don't want to upset her because last time she played, she got quite upset about children dying in it, etc., Ronan is of a mind, I believe, Ronan, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that 
it's not really one to to keep playing. You, you, you said I think you'd play it maybe once a year, if that, and you've kind of seen what you've needed to see from it. Is that right? Nah, you're definitely putting words in my mouth there. Oh, I was, oh, okay. All I said was you, you couldn't play it 10 times a year. I'm happy to play it. I'm happy to play it more, but I couldn't see it getting played more than once, twice, three times a year at the max. Mm. So I thought it was an odd choice for a 10 by 10. I was just uh, judging you a bit. No, no, I, I knew it was going to be tough. And if I'd have got two games of it, I'd have been quite happy. Uh, Zero, I'm quite disappointed because I really, really think it's like a masterpiece in game design if not the most fun, easy-to-get-to-the-table game in the world. This is one that, for me, and there's a one later on in mine, are the real victims of the fact that when we're together, we're under that pressure to play the games we're going to review. Because I feel like if, when we got together, we could just play whatever we wanted, this would have got played once or twice last year. Yeah. It would have come up because both of us want to play it. Both of us are happy to do it and sit down. And if we had that situation, maybe even if we were still living closer together, where it was like, oh, well, we got, yeah, you know, we're both on a late turn, whatever. Oh, here's an early, turn, you know, in the morning, let's play this war of mine for three hours. It would happen. So I think this one, a victim of, of the podcast. Yeah, I think so. So uh, what's your next one, Ronan? Well, at least now we're starting with some actual plays. <laughs> so, no, no, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> at least for me. So it's only one play, though, and it was Forbidden Stars, the uh, Warhammer 40k Fantasy Flight <sighs> big area control game. What's that noise for? I still haven't played it. I, every I every really year. Ever. Every, ever. Every year I promised myself that I'm going to play this game finally. I look at it on my shelf and I go, oh my God, why haven't you played that? It looks amazing. And I still haven't played it. Well, the good news is one of the designers has signed up to make a spiritual successor. He hasn't got the 40K license, obviously. He's got a new publisher and I've forgotten who it is. He put a Board Game Geek post up saying, I want to rejig this and bring out a new version of it. What would you like to see in the game? Or has anyone got any links to publishers? Because I really don't want to do a Kickstarter. I'm a designer. I'm not a publisher. I don't know how to do all that stuff. Firstly, what a wise man. (laughs) That was a a great news segment there. Some geezer is going to make something. Well done. No, there's one of the designers of the game. He's going to make a spiritual successor to Forbidden Stars. He was looking for sort of community assistance and very quickly, a very smart publisher who I can't remember, or I'm going to have to look up, uh, has jumped on and go, yeah, we'll help you make that. So there is a new version, if you like, you know, 2.0 of Forbidden Stars coming out with obviously a slightly different theme. He, he was mulling over all sorts of different themes. So it might not even be sci-fi, but, but there's hope on the horizon for a new version. The reason I only got one play in I think is when Forbidden Stars did come out and maybe up to a year later, I always seem to miss the days in which my regular group were playing it. And there's guys that I know, Puria, Jacob, Fulon, they've probably got half a dozen or more plays in. And I just seem to always miss out on it. Or I remember at least once I taught it and something else happened or a fifth player turned up or something like that. We had to put it away again. So I never got that depth of play that they've got, which is why I put it on my 10 by 10. I did manage to talk them into a three player game and I was so rusty on the rules. Uh, and basically they were beating me up and then I was a bit like, oh, you're beating me up. Wah, 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 wah. So then they started fighting each other and I won. <laughs> they never learn, do they? <laughs> but... that one play even though I was so rusty was more than enough for me to go this is a really good game and I really need to play it more and it is long and it is thinky and you can really mess up your your order and really feel like it's going to hurt you 
and it definitely, definitely does shine when everyone knows the game well. So it was a good choice for my 10 by 10. I just, yeah, one play. But I'm glad I got that one play and I'd love to play it more over this the coming year, but it's not going in my 10 by 10 again because it's just not feasible. And that's something I think I learned is that you have to be more realistic when you're choosing your 10 games for a 10 by 10 because in itself, even if you picked the 10 most obvious games that you think you're going to get 10 plays in, for us, that would still actually be hard. Never mind choosing these, you know, target dream games like this War of Mine Forbidden Stars. <laughs> I've learned nothing. Oh, I can't wait for your 10. I can't wait to <laughs> laugh at it. Okay, Sean. Okay, still, so. Still zero? Yeah, we're still on the zeros. Last one. Woo! And this one, I have no excuses. It's a fabulous game that I really should play more often. It's Star Trek Fleet Captains. I even took it to a Lobster Con. I haven't played this one in two years. Never mind last year. I took it to a couple of Lobster Cons in 2017. Didn't get it played. There is a hump to get over in relearning it, but I've never really even tried. So I, I have to, I have to get this one played. It's not on my 10 by 10 this year, but I'm definitely going to play this one because I think it's a fantastic game. It, for me, is the best Star Trek game out there. And uh, yeah, I'm quite ashamed I haven't played it. We should set up that six player team game for Aircon. Definitely. <laughs> make it happen it's fantastic yeah that's another game we used to play on a if we were both off on a random Tuesday or something like that we'd get together and have a quick game of it or, or a long game of it so i always happy to see that one on the table mate yeah 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 let's move on I'm embarrassed by that one okay my next one is Hawaii which is a sort of older Euro game. It's a bit of a race where you're limited in how you move around the place. It's two currencies, fruit and feet, and you can either sort of sail off the island to get bonuses or you can move around this island with your feet and you're grabbing bonus tiles to, to make villages in rows and power up and score points. And it's a game that I played a couple of times when it first came out and I really enjoyed. And it's one that I've always meant to... I, I need to play it. I need to play it. It gets played regularly at LobsterCon by a regular group. And I always say I'd love to join in and I'm invariably always busy at LobsterCon, so it hasn't happened. I thought I would get this played more because I thought Rachel and Ellie would both really like it. And I just... I, I kind of the 10 by 10 relaxed on it thought it was going to be easier than it was was we'll so, oh yeah we'll, we'll play that next month we'll play that next month we'll play it next month until the very end of the challenge when I was like ah we haven't played that way and I got it out with Ellie and Rachel and lo and behold they both really enjoyed it Rachel first game of it absolutely rinsed us destroyed us she took bonuses there are two different types of tiles you can take and some of them have got weapons and some haven't and the weapon ones the spear ones they're more expensive but she took bonuses for every time she took them so she was really focused on getting altars and stuff that give her points every time she takes a spear and then just taking these spear tokens and making it work so she made her own really lovely engine and just I mean put pay to us we were way back in her dust but Ellie and Rachel both enjoyed it I can see it coming it coming out again more easily. So I'm hoping this will be a catalyst to more plays of Hawaii. I can never remember if I liked Hawaii or not. I definitely played it because I remember the feet uh, sort of mechanism in there. But it kind of blends into some of those sort of summer islandy type games that I've played. And I can never remember which one is which. I think I enjoy most of them. So I think I probably do enjoy Hawaii. Oh, that was that's a searing insight there. Thanks. <laughs> There's yeah. some Summer Island games. I like them. Good. Yeah, some of them I do. <laughs> okay, so I'm finally on to a play, Ronan. A single play. 
Good. I'm excited by this in-depth review. And uh, good job it isn't a legacy game or anything like that, or a, a game that you need to play sort of a certain amount of times. No. It's Charterstone. Woohoo! <laughs> well, that's one and done, is it? No, it's not even one and done. It's just, it went on. It wasn't exciting enough to go, wow, we have to play that every day for until we played our 12 games, whatever it is that you have to play to get it done. It was, it was okay. It was, yeah, it was all right. Quite enjoyed it. I know it's a slow starter, so probably that's not the best judgment of it because it does start very slow. And then obviously you ramp up your powers and you get more and more access to things and you build more resources and are able to build better things and more interesting things as you go on. I probably quit a little bit too early with that one, but it didn't grab us. It's interesting that this, there was, it felt like initially there was a lot of hype. Then there was a big backlash, and now it does appear to be a bit of a Marmite game, where some groups have really enjoyed it and other groups have been let down by it. I don't hear of too many people that play with their end board state, which was one of the ideas of it. I know Tom ran all the way through it, then flipped the board over, and then just went through all the stickers and put out the ones he thought were most interesting, and he thinks he's made a good game out of that. So it's almost like you're designing your own game. I like the idea of doing that. I'm not convinced about the idea of the 12 games before it to learn everything and, and get through all the spoilers. I think he's kind of died on his bum a little bit. I don't think many people are talking about it anymore. You don't really see any buzz about it on Board Game Geek. The- are people, if you see what um, what did I play this week, that um, Geek List and podcast and that, it does come up actually, surprisingly. Yeah, okay, I thought it would have okay. died off more. Uh, and it's still actually quite a good seller. So I yeah. think... Stonemaier are so successful and yeah, they, yeah. they have this user-friendly, new gamer-friendly style to their games, whatever that magic is, because it's not like they're just making really light games, but it's always presented well, it's well-supported online, you always make sure there's good tutorials and what have you. So I think Charterstone is still getting picked up by people who aren't, you know, I was going to use a rude word there, are fully into the hobby, shall we say. <laughs> Well done, you. Thanks. Yeah, go on then. Go on. What's your next one? Okay. My next one, and we're on to the the two plays now. That's that's looking quite successful. This is Invaders, the two-player game from Mark Chaplin, which came from White Goblin, in which it's completely asymmetric, two completely different decks. One player is defending the Earth. The other player are aliens invading it. Sean and I have talked about it a lot. We reviewed it way back when it first came out. I particularly put it on the 10x10 because I hadn't played it much recently and I had an expansion that was untouched and I still have an expansion that's untouched. What the couple of plays showed me were that, and it was two different players, were that there's a real hump to get over and you probably need to play genuinely four or five times before you're starting to get an idea of what's in each deck, how each side works. You've got special one-off, five special one-off powers each that you can use, when to use them. The fact that your priorities are dictated by what the other player is doing as much as by what you want to do. And you have to learn the rhythm of the game and each game has a slightly different rhythm. So I really enjoyed my two plays, but then I've got plays under my belt and I know the game quite well. So therefore, that was worth it. these were both players who had played it once or twice before. And I think they were, because they were relearning, it were a bit more like, uh, what do I do? I've got so many cards here. I can't see the strategy. So I think it was a good game to put on the 10 by 10 
the other players I think saw promise in it and thought it was good, but needed to play it more. And we just didn't manage to get all those plays in because it wasn't first on their request list when we got to play again together. For me, Invaders was always a tough one because although I think it's a really good game, it's not really a back-to-back game. It's not a game that I'd like to play week after week after week because it's quite intense. You come away just thinking, oh, God, that was a bit swingy. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'd like to invest in it that much because it, it quite can be very frustrating. It can be very exhilarating and all wrapped into one package. And, yeah, it can be a bit over overwrought. Overwrought? Yeah. It sounds like you're dissing the game. No, no, not at all. It's just... Uh, it's you just one get of those... overwrought playing it. Yeah, yeah. I get a bit overexcited and, like... It's a proper nail biter because it is very well balanced, and if obviously if you're playing with someone of a similar sort of experience, then yeah, it's a good game for me. But yeah, not one I play all the time. Jolly good. Turns out not me either. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) so this is one that again I thought Ronan wouldn't play with me because I didn't think he liked it that much, but it turns out that he would have played it with me, so I missed the trick there. Natalie, not so much. It's not really her type of game. It's Warquest, I should tell you what it is. Warquest. Uh, obviously, I was very excited about it in Essen 2017. Uh, picked up the base set. Went on the Kickstarter for all the additional stuff. Spent a fortune on it. And it's supposed to be sat there. I've played it once this year. Or last year, rather. And, yeah, I need to play it more. It's just, it brings it. It's the kid. It's the toy factor. It's the child in me. Wants to build up my own raiding party and go and do things and attack people and with my own people. It sings to me, Ronan, but not to everybody. No, not to everybody. This is definitely a group-specific sort of a game where we're going to need to find a couple of other people who are into spending four hours again, maybe having a beer or too much sugar or whatever to just chill yourself out and go with the flow. Actually, as much as I say that, it's not really a nonsense game. It is actually thinky, and you do have to go to the right places to get particular reinforcements to give you what you need in your in your warband at the time. So you can't just play it as nonsense. You'll get destroyed. You have to follow a pattern and follow the quests and make sure you're choosing a path that makes sense to you so there's a there's a game in there but yeah, there's also- an arc right there's an arc there is a story in there and there's an arc and the cards can drive you to a certain degree you can just bowl into the middle and have a massive fight but you're not going to get all your points from there you need to go and do other things around the map as well sometimes luring people in by splitting your band up to give you access to an area you need to get to to score those quest points and what have you there's thought to it I, I, I liked it I'd happily play it again I again I, I think it's finding the right people to play with that are going to really enjoy it if we could get a, a semi-regular group together to play it would be amazing I'm just not sure I can see it happening enough Ronan what's your next next one is another two player game which I managed to play twice over the course of the year it's Fields of Arl the Uwe Rosenberg one about farming in Arl which is sort of the area where he grew up in another one that I thought I'd get to play with Rachel and it turns out I did get to play it memorably on our cruise that we went around the Baltic in June and one of the we played played it twice obviously on that cruise and for some reason it hasn't come out again which maybe we'll get to but one of the memorable plays was we were trying to find somewhere with big big enough tables to play it on because the gaming room it was kind of gaming room library there was maybe eight tables in there and it was constantly packed man they needed a bigger gaming room on this ship and also 
all the other areas, like there, there wasn't a lot of places with, with decent sized tables around, put it that way. There was a lot of sort of barry areas or places to perch or places to sit next to a piano, but not sort of comfy, big open spaces to sit around. I don't know, it's a ship. I guess that's what you find. But what we did find was the conference center, way down on like floor, I don't know, I suppose you call it floor, I suppose you call it a deck, deck one or two, way down at the near the bottom anyway, where you don't usually go down to. And we found sort of an abandoned room that was open and we snuck in there and pulled some tables together and some chairs. Perfect, lovely lighting, big table, chairs and all that. Only the seas were a bit high and we were quite low down. And quite often there was a boom and a shudder and a boom and the place was shaking around. And we finished the game and then Rachel went and got seasick. <laughs> That's not funny. I don't know why I'm laughing. It was a bit funny. Because <laughs> she really held on. She was like, I'm going to win this game. And she beat me. And then she went to the toilet to get sick. And I, I'm not giving up. I'm definitely going to win. So we both enjoyed it. We expected to play it more because it was six months left of the year, right? And it never came out again and it never got requested. So I actually made the, as Sean knows, I made the threat, the shot across the bowels. I put it in the trade pile, Sean. That didn't go oh, well, did it? That didn't go well for you. That did not go well for you. <laughs> she was not having that at all. So it's now been mentioned about 18 times in the past week. It's come out of the trade pile. I didn't really mean to trade it. I just thought I'd remind her that it existed. And uh, we're going to be playing it again, she assures me. It was a kind of one of those ones that was really important to Uwe Rosenberg, and it was kind of about his childhood growing up. And well, it's always, not really though, is it? It's, it's not, not it's really, just, it's, but it's, it's themeless, really. Okay, but it was it was inspired, <laughs> shall we say, yeah. by growing up in a farming community, etc. And things that always, that always kind of ring alarm bells. Are they labors of love or are they actually good games? I've kind of been put off by Feast for Odin. Didn't particularly enjoy that. Didn't particularly enjoy uh, Recolt. Oh, the, the Rosenberg backlash. The Rosenberg backlash, yeah. So I, I think Fields of Arles probably still in within the type of game that I would enjoy, but I've been a bit hesitant to try it. Yeah, it hasn't got that spatial tile nonsense of Feast for Odin. <laughs> and, uh, I haven't tried Raycolt, so I can't really comment on that. We enjoyed it. Uh, it definitely feels like a puzzle. You're going down your own route. Although there is blocking of space, it's worker placement, you can definitely seek different routes out to each other. And uh, there's different buildings you can take. If someone takes one building, you go, right, I'm going to go down the other way and take a different building. So, yeah, you have to react to each other. Mm, it can be a tiny bit, you know, oh, God, of course she's beat me to that spot. That's a bit uh, annoying. But but still, you're making your own plan and doing your own thing for the most part. And it is much more reminiscent of Agricola uh, and the older style than it is for Feast of Odin and the newer polyomino obsession that he's got. <laughs> a good game, though. We, we really enjoyed it. And I, like I say, I expected for us to play it more and it just didn't, but, uh, but I've been what, thoroughly What did you say told. the time frame was? Oh, yeah, definitely two hours for the first game while we're sort of puzzling over it. Probably reducing a bit down from there for, with each play as you, as you go through it, but it's not going to get below... I can see you playing it in 75, 90 minutes, something like that. Well, it's not too bad. I, I was kind of worried that it'd be sort of in the two and a half hour, sort of that three hour bracket. Well, for you, it probably would. <laughs> Thanks for that. Anyway, okay, I'm moving on, and... A bit worryingly, into the second half of my top ten, and I'm still at two plays. So am I. <laughs> and it's near and far. 
a game that I promised both Natalie and Ronan that we would play it and we would go through the the scenarios and the progression and the story arc, what have you, and uh, I'll let you both down. It's not really seen the light of day since its first couple of plays. I'm sad because I think it is a great game. I think it's one of uh, Mr. Lowcat's better games for sure. And I love, I love games with story. So why I haven't played it, I don't know. I'm sad for two reasons. God, why are you sad? Firstly, you lied to me. <laughs> I did lie to you. And secondly, why do you keep bringing him up when he's upset me? What's wrong with you? I know he's upset you with his uh, re-implementation of games he's We, t- we talked about it the other day. We did. I know. Just I know. Stop talking about him. He's, uh, no. No, no, no. He's Near he's, and far away from me. He's he's lovely and he does lovely artwork. Nah, so, he hasn't upset me that much. I, I do want to play Near and Far. I want to see what the fuss is about. Another one that I like to follow the story through, uh, which is going to come out in my 10x10s for 2019s. I've definitely chosen a lot of, of games along those lines. So, yeah, I'm, I'm here and willing. Another podcast victim, I'd say, near and far. Yeah, it's it's going to be really hard for me and you to sort of play that consistently throughout the arc, isn't it? Especially when I'm going to force you to play one of my ones that's about to come up. Because oh, you, you really have let me down on this one. Right. <laughs> My next one is another two-player before I go on to more, and it's definitely the biggest disappointment on this list for me. Uh, I think I played it a couple of times before. I think I had before we started doing the 10x10, and it's Dragonfire, which was a re-implementation of Shadowrun Crossfire, which is a co-op card game in which you take roles and you have obstacles to face, and you're playing cards to, of certain colours to, to fight obstacles in front of someone, and if you don't kill them in time, they're going to start attacking you and wear your health down, and you play through certain phases, because once you've cleared all the obstacles in front of you, the enemies or whatever they may be, or traps and dragon fires, different things, uh, you move on to the next phase, and new ones come out, and the next phase, new ones come out, and whatever the mission is, you've got to do slightly different things, but generally you're playing cards, buying cards, doing a little bit of deck building, and a lot of cooperating and communicating really like Shadowrun Crossfire this one was promised to be a move to the Dungeons and Dragons setting and a slimming down of Shadowrun Crossfire making it more accessible and it was the utter utter opposite it just brought in faff that was unnecessary brought in scenario so there's lots of scenarios there's a sort of a campaign thing there is a campaign and there's separate scenarios it brought in scenario specific cards it brought in class specific cards it brought in loads and loads and loads and loads of characters very very quickly in the expansions which for which you had to build the market tech differently depending on what classes you had involved in the game it brought in locations where you could get split up very early in the game and make it very hard taking away the cooperation which was what was the real key to the whole thing in the first place also bringing in more randomness that you could get screwed with a certain location coming out and going well well, what can we do here just a disappointment for me I was really excited for it and after I played it this couple of times I always meant to go back to it and every time I thought about it I went why aren't I just playing Shadowrun it's just a much cleaner easier design it has everything that's good about this game and all Dragonfire has added is bad so there's no reason to ever play it. And I got rid of it. And in fact, it was quite groovy. I got rid of it at the November LobsterCon Dutch auction. And Efka bought it off me. 
and I bought his one, Wasteland Express, and it ended up being a pounded difference. So he got Dragonfire with a load of expansions and a pound, and I got Wasteland Express for that. Uh, and I'm, Wasteland Express is a good game. Yeah, you didn't you didn't call me out for name dropping there, so that's good. Let's carry on. <laughs> so as for this one, I dislike it, Ronan, and I dislike it for these reasons. Number one, before you bought it, and as you were buying it, and before you'd played it, you wouldn't shut up about how great it was going to be and how excited you were. I'd get squeeing in the wee hours of the morning. After you played it, you wouldn't well, just, shut uh, up seems, about... It, well, it seems harsh to blame the game for that, but carry on. <laughs> Afterwards, you wouldn't shut up about how, how upset you were and how disappointed you were. I didn't particularly like Shadow uh, Let me just say, you can blame the game for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't particularly like Shadowrun Crossfire, and if you're saying this one makes it more faffy and, and less enjoyable, then... It's an eh definitely an eh If... Is it the fact that they brought in these D&D designers who are used to designing people for whom D&D is a lifestyle game? That's, that's my only thought as to why they've done this. Did they expect people to be buying Dragonfire and just playing it again and again and again and again and again and again? Because... That's that's what it seemed designed for. It didn't seem designed for the board game market at all. Yarp. So my next one is a game that I'm actually quite shocked I didn't play so much because I absolutely love it. It's a staple of my board game collection. It's Concordia. It's only got played three times in 2018. And it just feels like I have and should have and always should play more than that. Why it didn't get played, I suppose, again, it goes down to sort of podcast reasons, not being able to play the games you specifically want to play. I did get the Great Britain and Ireland map, which is designed for the two players. So that was really enjoyable. It condenses it all, makes it all a bit tighter, and we definitely enjoyed that. But for some reason, just didn't go back to it. I can only say it's probably not as immediately accessible as some of the other games on my list that I've played more and it didn't have that cult of the new because obviously it's an an older game that's been around in my collection for a while so I have been a bit cult of the new in the past as well as all the podcast stuff so yeah Concordia three times run (sighs) Sean I've got a confession (laughs) to make if you haven't played Concordia this year I mean you've got beef October 2016. <gasps> <laughs> right. Go and give go and give your copy of Concordia to someone who will appreciate it. I can't believe I can't, it's that long ago. A poor copy. A poor abused copy. <laughs> I know, with expansions in it. <laughs> I am genuinely going a bit red here that I haven't played it in that long. Wow, I just didn't realise at all. I knew when Venus came out at last Essen and people were picking it up and going oh, it's supposed to be really good and I'm like yeah I just haven't played it that much recently I did not realise it was October 2016 that is that is definitely on a, a litany of shame for me what what I'm going to say though I'm going to roll this into my next one mate if you don't mind because I think it's got the same reasons why I hasn't played so much I also have got three plays in of Civilization: The New Dawn which uh, came out we got it at the end of 2017 I played it at rate when it first came out but only three times in 2018 I really enjoyed Civilization New Dawn. I'm really excited for it, and that's why I put it on this 10x10. I was like, oh, I really enjoy it. There's loads to explore. The more you play it, the better you get. I find, anyway, that Euro players are actually more fickle than thematic players. 
thematic players will go back to the same game, maybe because there's fewer good thematic games. There's lots of thematic games, but once you find one good dungeon crawler and you think, well, that's the best dungeon crawler I've got, you don't need to play the other 20 dungeon crawlers because I've got a one my one good dungeon crawler here or my one good sci-fi game or whatever it might be, you know. For Euro players, they're constantly looking for a new mechanism and a new experience and a new game and something different. And Sea of a New Dawn is much more a Euro game than it is a, th a thematic game, although the thematic link to the computer game is definitely there. And I think it's hard to get players to play Euros that have been around for a while. It, they just... I have played that. I've played that seven or eight times. I, I, I don't, when they you do get them to go back to it, they'll enjoy it again, but they tend to be looking for a new challenge. So once my friends had played this two or three times, they were like, oh, yeah, have we got a new Euro? Have you got anything new? When I show them my shelves, I go, that's my old ones, and that's my new ones. They're always looking at new ones. What's new? What's new? So there you go. As you said, I was just thinking while you were building into that, yeah, they're always looking for the latest fix, aren't they, Eurogamers? It's always about the sort of sniffing out that that one mechanism that's come that nobody's seen before or that, that's been implemented in a slightly different way and it's, oh, it's very exciting. Things like Kalimala sort of came out and it was, oh, that's a new mechanism. Let's, let's, let's and and yet, yeah, where's that gone? Exactly. You know, it, it was yeah. flavour of the month for three or four months and it's gone again. That's a good game. And I enjoyed it, but and also Euro players are much less forgiving of one thing that they see as a flaw. Where yeah. you know, is it the action cards you got in that game and people didn't like it? We house ruled it. You could hand in any two to do one action, just to mix that up a little bit. But it, whereas thematic players would be like, oh yeah, that's not the best, but look at all this good stuff. Euro players tend to be like, oh yeah, yeah but look at that little bit of grit in the mill, <laughs> and it's just oh that that bit's really annoying me. So my next one, Ronan, is. Kind of like your Hawaii in that I really thought I'd get it played quite easily and I kind of got blasé about it and it's Ethnos. Played it three times and it's such an easy sort of setup. There's not a lot of rules overhead and it's very easy to explain to people and people just get it immediately. It's set collection and area control and that's it. I really like the game. I think it's uh, quite an elegant design system. Maybe not the prettiest looking game out there, but yeah, I got very complacent about this. Halfway through the year, thought, oh my God, I haven't played that at all. Whacked it out a few times and then thought, ah, right, I'm on top of that now. I can let it go. And then came to look at the list and I, I had let it go and let it go too far. So it's only seen three plays, Ronan. Yeah, a victim of how we thought that this challenge would be a lot easier than it actually is because it's a good game, it's replayable. Um, obviously, I hate the top-decking aspect. <laughs> a bit, but I, mean, I hate's too strong a word. I, I would rather there was always a market of cards available, so you're not just endlessly top-decking, and you're not just I've got an empty market waiting for the first person to crack and play cards. I, I like Ethnos, happy to play it. It's another one, though, that it's not got enough of an experience to it that you could base the game night around it. So therefore it's one that's just going to fill in the edges here and there as you need a quick game. And unless, if you're doing this 10 by 10, unless you concentrate and say, right, every time we need a filler, we're playing Ethnos until it's done 10 times. I just, you know, it's not going to happen. This this challenge needs more focus than we gave it. Yeah, and I thought as well, because it doesn't take up a lot of table space, so it doesn't take up a lot of bag space. So I thought it would be a sling in a rucksack job and play down the pub or play just around at someone's house and it just didn't materialise like that. 
Yeah, not in some of the pubs near you, mate. Not in some of those front room <laughs> rough boys. Ah, I love the pubs. You love them. You, you love them. I, I do love them. It's the edge of danger every time we go there that I'm like, is this boy coming up to me? Is he going to punch me or is he going to make a joke? 100% it's been a joke. But the, the option is always there, I think. <laughs> <laughs> we walk into one more of those pubs and they say, oh, who ordered security? <laughs> <laughs> Right, my uh, my next one, and this this is your fault. So I'm squarely putting this blame on you I, oh, for no reason. See. Go on, and reveal four plays of Mythic Battles Pantheon. Not squarely my fault. Squarely, squarely my fault. no, I'm not taking no blame for this one. It's your fault. Those four plays were probably all with me anyway. So <laughs> I take the credit for it. <laughs> We talk about this game so much, we don't need to talk about it anymore. You know that we both love it. Sean spent 27 grand on it or something. You know what? Year. Funnily enough, that's that's why I'm a little bit hesitant to play your copy. Because oh. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just terrified that I'll get played out on it and that'll sit, my one will sit unplayed. <laughs> I'm just a statistic. Just the latest victim of your idiot. You are a statistic. <laughs> Damn. Um... Rachel's really not interested in it, although she has agreed to play it with me because, you know, she's a good woman. And I, I think, I think, well, this is rose-tinted glasses, I think anyone who plays it more or less will get converted to it because it does play with genuine decisions and thought to it. And there is the card management system and there is a, I don't know, Euro aspect. There's definitely a tactical strategic aspect to it, which is more Euro than people would think. Put it that way. Even with all the dice rolling, is more. it's not just random dice rolling. There's actually something to it. When you roll those dice, you go, oh, I can see why this is happening, or I can see the likelihood of something happening. It's not just wild, random craziness. Uh, I, Ellie is also... I thought she, I might convert to it because she really loves Greek... Um, the, uh, yeah, the mythology and the stories and all the rest of it. She has since she was a kid when she got, I think I got her a, a book of Greek myths. Anyway, but she doesn't like dungeon crawlers for some reason. She just is like, I don't like dungeon crawlers. I don't want to play them. I'm not interested. And for some reason, she's equated this to a dungeon crawler because of the minis and what have you. But she's still my hope to convert. And uh, <laughs> I know that it's me and her at home this afternoon and Friday afternoon so it's two of the next three days I've got to buy a and I think I'm going to have to get it out at some point and say oh dad just wants you to play this won't you play it for your poor old father <laughs> it's a great game and yeah still think back to that game at Aircon last year myself you and Sam such a good game it such really a good was. game so I was only going to bring I was going to bring very few games to Aircon this time not very few but like half a dozen or something I, was, I, I think I might have to bring it because we just got to play it. It's so good. It is a good game. It's a very good game. Okay. Next up for me is another game I thought I would get played more. It's Castles of Burgundy. Now I'm cheating slightly because I'm throwing in one player of the dice game in here as well because it's pretty much the same thing. And great Feld game. Most people, I think, would say it's his finest. Natalie would probably say Aquasphere, although she really likes Castle of Burgundy. I think now this is this is just me, and it's a reason why I'm very excited that there's a new version coming out. I think it just looks so bland, and everything feels so papery and so cheap. That's the little tiny thing that puts me off playing it when I have a, that that moment of choice where I can choose my own game to play. 
and I'm always a little bit ah, oh, but it just looks dull. I know it's a great game, and I know I get, I know I really enjoy it when I play it, but it looks dull. So bring on the new version. Hopefully they're going to zazz it up, and that will definitely mean I'll play Castles of Burgundy a lot more. Yes, I am very shallow. <laughs> you are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I need to get the deluxe version because we we have played it a lot now i was saying that i was about to say because we do play it a lot quick check on my phone one play in 2018 from us and we used to rinse it we've got 16 plays in of it so i'm a bit surprised we haven't played it much last year same old story isn't it as, as we've been saying all the way through this but a fantastic game i'm looking forward to the deluxe version i'm definitely getting it just don't tell rachel till it turns up you know what? I was Rachel's a big Feld fan. Natalie's a big Feld fan, and both of them are being kind of meh about the yeah. But about yeah, the looks I, I of thought it. I thought now would be oh my god, have to have it, have to have it. Like I showed her the Bunny Kingdom expansion the other day, and she was like, oh. isn't it like what, there's another land up in the sky or something? Yeah, like yeah, that it's like a cloud kingdom or something. Yeah, yeah, which Ellie actually bought a Small Worlds expansion called Sky Islands that's like that, but I don't think we've ever played with it. Might have played with it once. We need to play that more. We need to play Small Worlds more, by the way. We do. We, we do. All of us like it. There's another game that we all like that we don't play enough. Yeah. Okay. Right. Castles of Burgundy four times, Ronan. Yeah, it's not enough. It's not, and that is a quick game, Zoya. You play that in an hour, so I'm judging you for that. Okay. Okay, good. Right, so my second most played game is eight plays so I almost got there it did okay and it was one that I hadn't played at all when we started the challenge I actually initially put it in my 2019 challenge as well because I thought I've enjoyed these eight plays so much but there's loads more to explore of it now that I've fully got my head around it and it's Spirit Island the co-op game in which you are nature spirits on an island that's being colonized and the colonizers are going to spread out and build and cause damage to the land and there are very different nature spirits with very different powers that have different effects you're trying to scare off the invaders and break down their infrastructure and drive them back and Rachel likes to play as the ocean for example sending tidal waves in to suck them to their death or you can just be sort of in the shadows lurking and scare them all the time or be lightning that flashes out quickly and blows up what they're trying to build lots of different options the different mix of spirits means that you play in different ways there's a different mix of cards because throughout the game you do do a little bit of deck building and take various options in lots and lots of variety there are then scenarios in which you're going against specific invaders who have specific effects on different phases of the game and they become more effective because with these eight plays I've been teaching it so much. And in fact, I got taught it. And Sam, that you talked about in the Mythic Battles game, he played it with me with another guy, Simon Darrick, who, who helps run London on board. I, I didn't remember it that well. And those guys helped me reintroduce to the, to the rules and correct some things, actually, that I was a bit hazy on. And then from there, I kind of went, right, that's my impetus to start playing Spirit Island and teaching lots of people, which I have done. People have enjoyed it a lot. I can see it get, getting back to the table a lot more. It's been absolutely brilliant. But now... I'm starting to win all the time on the basic level, so I need to up it and start going against the invaders. And I'm hoping to bring all those people I've taught along with me on this journey through Spirit Island, start introducing the expansion, Branch and Claw, with all the fancy things that does. I actually played with that with Sam and Simon. And Sean is one of the people I taught the game to. I felt like he wasn't 100% convinced going into it, and we deliberately didn't talk about it coming out of it. What were your thoughts? Still not convinced. Oh. Um, I found and I found elements definitely interesting, 
I would like to see more of the factions to see sort of how they all work. And I think that's when I'll sort of make my decision. I wasn't I wasn't blown away. It didn't make me want to go out and buy it, which is the, when I really enjoy a game, that's the immediate feeling that I have to crush. Is like, buy, buy. No, no, don't buy. You can't afford it. I didn't want to buy it. I'm happy to play it again, and I want to explore some of the other characters, some, uh, some of the other spirits on the island. So uh, definitely to be decided upon. Yeah, you chose quite a slow-moving one. You were the Earth one, weren't you? Where, yeah, yeah. And I kind of, I know you wanted to be, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to be rude. And totally I, don't I quite one. enjoyed being the Earth one. I yeah. quite enjoyed that. It was, it, was, it was a fairly simple introduction to the game. Because the Earth was very much about, like, let's just go and defend this, manipulate here, stop them attacking in certain areas and sort of assist you guys rather than doing, like, loads of damage and, and killing the invaders. Just just assist you in, in halting them a little bit. And I found that quite easy to play. I, I found it quite intuitive to play. But now I've, I understand the system. I think it's now time to to look at some of those more interesting spirits. And I think if you, if I were you, I would always get the new player to play as the earth. Uh, there's four base spirits. They're all not so hard. Like lightning does loads of damage, but that's quite easy to play as well. So it, it is well set up for new players. And that these are the four uh, spirits you can start with. And they have suggested uh, progression decks that you just right. draw out off and it gives you your powers as you go through. And once you know the game, once you play once or twice, you just then start drawing from a whole deck. You draw four cards and choose one when you progress. And then you start feeling like you get more control. So yeah, you and me in that the game we played, we were, we were much running, we were running support. You were defending, I was scaring back towards the coast and Rachel was the one that was drowning a lot of things and pulling them off the board. So it was a good teamwork. We did well and we won. Woot, woot, go team. Okay, Sean, your most played of your 10 by 10. I'm I'm hoping for something like 78 plays and then you'd have hit 100. <laughs> I got the seven. That, that helps. You were one of those numbers was correct. <laughs> one of those numbers was correct. Seven plays, it's all on. Uh, this one, Ronan, was absolutely no bother to get those seven plays. And... Couldn't, couldn't get the three more, no. No, no. But that's when I thought, it was towards the end of the year, I realised, you know what, I've played all on, even though we want to play it again, if I'm going to push on some of these to at least one or two, I'm going to have to start playing them. So all on actually was hindered by me needing to play some of the other games a few times. Oh, I've got all the expansions now. I've got like bonus cards and all sorts in there. I haven't played with any of the major things like Trade and Intrigue or the invasion. Uh, invasion. I haven't tried any of those yet, so that shows you how good the base game is. What I have done is got the little tiny expansions where you just throw in additional cards and what have you into the game. couple of rock and roll moments where a couple of them are a little bit broken. There's one that it's the only card of its type. And it basically gives you points for doing something that you'd be doing anyway in the game. It gives you points for chaining buildings together. It was the difference between someone winning and losing. And it was just like, okay, because they're always quite tight games. I'm like, but that's just, I had no access to that. You got the <laughs> building, so therefore you picked it up. Hmm. Out, go on, you're out here, kid. But other than that, yeah, they've just spiced it up enough for me to keep playing that base game. And it's a fantastic game anyway. Uh, I love teaching it, I love playing it, and yeah, long live all y'all. 
And I need to thank you. Do you now? Yes. And admit that I'm a bad person as well. Go on. I was shrouded in creeping doubt, Sean. <laughs> Go on. It was it was created by the lurking presence of Alta Plano. <laughs> Yeah, which we've both decided isn't that good. <laughs> no, <laughs> and having played it, it made me say, oh, and I've got Audio on, I bought it ages ago and haven't played it in I don't know how long until you brought it round and you were like, oh, it's right, we've played some of your Temple Tents, time to play one of my Temple Tents, which is only fair enough. And I was like, oh, do you know, I think it dawned on me why I hadn't played it. Is is it because out of play, is it not that good? Because Out of Plain is not that good. So was it just I've got fond memories of Orleon because I played it by the seaside, taught by a guy I really liked, Jeff, with Rachel. We had a lovely time. Is it the memory that's good or is it the game that's good? Both. The memory's good. The game is also very, very good. So thank you for assuaging my doubts and putting me back into a happy place in which... You're welcome. Yeah, it's a good game. It's a good choice for 10 by 10 I'm very happy you got to play it seven times. I only played it once this year. One that's, that's sticking around. And at some point, I'm going to have to put it in the rotation or something to get more plays of it. Because uh, as you said, Rachel loves it. Natalie loves it. You love it. I love it. It's a top game. Yeah, and you start kind of you, you start working out new ways and new things you discover, like just tiny little stuff, like the the map. When you know the game quite well in terms of building up your resources and your bag building and getting that on point, then the map comes becomes very very hard fought area. Whereas you know, just leave each other alone. You kind of get in, get involved in people's up in their faces where you push the get rid of your characters into the town that all of a sudden because people really want to thin that bag out and hone their bag towards the end that becomes really sort of hard for as well so yeah you kind of you discover more more to it as you go through it's almost like it's worth playing these games more than two or three times sure <laughs> Almost, almost. <laughs> Isn't there a thought for the world to think about? And there that's... you go. Okay, so my final one, uh, I definitely got 10 plays of this in. I got 23 plays of it in, <laughs> and it's Gloomhaven. Now, when I put it on the list, John Day commented on my geek list, this is going to be all your plays. Forget about the other games, you're going to play this 100 times. Now, 100 times is a bit of an ask, given you know life and work and family and everything. <laughs> but 23 plays... An average of two and a half or three hours each, I'd say, is uh, I'm I'm quite proud. That's some that's some good going. Myself and Rachel played it a couple of times. Then myself, Rachel, and Puria and Jacob played it a couple of times. And then those guys had already played it previously, and it became quite apparent that we had a hunger to play more and explore it. But the times that we could do that were during the week. Monday to Friday, whereby they could shuffle things around. Obviously, I'm on shifts, and Rachel wasn't around, so she brutally got dropped from our campaign. And, and she knew, she knew this wasn't like a mean thing. She knew it was happening. I've promised that we will further play the campaign with her at home, which hasn't happened yet. So the three of us carried on, and I was playing as a tinkerer, and we had the rat in there, which blows people's brains up, and uh, the thiefy roguey sort of thing and the three of us played through and we've got those characters up to levels eight and nine and retired them and now we've started again with new characters we've played a couple of scenarios with them and we're following the story myself and jacob are following the story anyway 
probably a less so. <laughs> he's just playing the game. <laughs> but he's been an absolute superstar. He bought the the insert to everything they've been sorted out. He's downloaded two or three apps. He prints stuff out for us. He checks rules. He uh, he basically is he's our board game butler. We turn up at his DM. house. <laughs> we choose a story beforehand. He's got the whole scenario set up. He's got everything downloaded, everything ready to go. I am very much in a life of luxury playing Gloomhaven and being looked after. Uh, we won't mention that the first big boss fight, he forgot to up the level on the app and we played it at level one when we were, should have been at level three or four and it, it ruined it and it ruined the whole game for And I'm, it still lingers with me, that horrific, horrific memory. But other than that, the game has got flaws... It's sometimes frustrating. It's obviously very, very long. The setup and running of it, the attempting to remember all the rules around leveling up, campaigning, when you can go back, when you can do this. But I've had to give it a 10 out of 10. It's it's what, like the sixth game or something I've given a 10 out of 10 out of thousands because 23 plays were still eager to play all the time i know those two other guys get really upset with me because i I can't make it this week or next week and i've got the kids and it's going to be like three weeks three and a half weeks till we can play again and i can feel them staring daggers at me like damn you come on play clue moment and they've been very patient and i don't think they've played without me yet but um wow you know it was a slow burner we initially mentioned this a while back or maybe it was in the Temple Temple or something when you played it a couple of times, I played it a couple of times and I wasn't sure. I'm pretty sure now. It's, it's an absolutely amazing gaming experience and I'm very thankful to Puri and Jacob for putting their time in to allow me to experience so much of it so far. And I say so much. People are going to hear 23 plays and be like, oh, that all you've played, you newbie. Which is kind of true for this game, but uh, but I've, you know, it's just been brilliant. And we're going to carry on playing it and this will hit 10 plays easily for 2019 i haven't put it on my list for this year but it will so yeah for me i've made uh well, myself and natalie have made a conscious decision to put it on a back burner until the little one is a little bit older going to nursery etc so that we can actually dedicate some time to this because playing it like once a month once every two months once every three months you're constantly having to get back over that hump of learning it and it doesn't do the game any justice. So, yeah, we push it to the back burner. Maybe maybe towards the end of this year, maybe next year, we're going to have a real crack into Gloomhaven. And it's just something to look forward to. Uh, and we know it's there. We know we're going to enjoy it because we have enjoyed our handful of games so far. So, yeah, Gloomhaven will get that justice done to it, but just not yet. One of the, the key phrases that we've got that we sort of very soon established is... When this question's about have we done something exactly right about money or le- are you one XP short of a level? Are you one gold short of doing something? What we turn around and look at each other and go, it's our game and we're playing it for our fun. So if someone wants one XP so they can level up and get access to their new exciting card, have your one XP. Because we're here to enjoy it. We're putting so much time into it that the last thing we want to do is be rules lawyering and finicketing. Now, we play it correctly. Don't get me wrong. We run the AI. We do everything correctly like that. It's the little edge cases where, oh, should we have done that and that would have cost us two gold? Or do we have to go back and retcon? That the thing that's got us some enjoyment is it's, we're here to have fun. Um, like we cheat on the perks. We don't actually do those gold cards because it kind of... It caused tension. 
when someone's like, I need to go and open doors. It's not the right time to open doors. No, I need to for my perks. So we got rid of them. And we take perks every certain number of adventures so that, because it's just, you know, you spend so much time doing something, do it the way that you enjoy it. That's that's my thoughts on it. And 100% about playing it regularly. We still are looking up rules. We're still double checking things. We're still like, how exactly does that work? Or going, often going on board game geek for a clarification of a certain card or a certain combo and stuff like that. So the rules overhead does reduce, but it's one of the things where I'd be like, it, it is all, for us anyway it's still there uh, and probably will always be there um, even with a games butler brilliant okay so that is our 10 by 10 or our 0 by 10 for most of mine uh, for <laughs> 2018 we're going to have a, a short little break and we're going to come back with our choices for next year and you'll realise that I've learned not, nothing nothing <laughs> Sean, I'm very worried about your last comment there that you haven't learned any lessons. Not usually. a thing. Not a man to set himself up for failure in any way, <laughs> shape or form. I'm just looking, I'm shaking my head. <laughs> <laughs> One of my 10 by 10 epiphanies in 2018 was, if you went back a few, couple of years ago, a few years ago, uh, we would talk about what we were looking forward to in gaming when we do our end of year reviews. And all the times I was saying... I want a campaign aspect. We are in the golden age of this. We have available to us these either legacy games or campaign games or something that has some aspect that goes from game to game that I was begging for five years ago are now all around me. And am I making the most of them? Now, clearly in Gloomhaven, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm doing some sort of aspect there, but there are many others which I could be exploiting. And this year's 10 by 10 I didn't deliberately do it, but looking at it, there are six or arguably seven on here with a campaign or lingering aspect to allow me to really dig into what I always hoped for would be in games. And in this era of dreams come true, of them making the Infinity series as an amazing series of movies, sure, my childhood dreams come true, why am I not enjoying them? So that is part of what's behind my choices. Have you had any thoughts about how you put your 10 together? If Kyron follows some of the things that I was trying to do last year, there's obviously the ones that I think I'm going to get quite played quite easily. But there's also things that have been lingering around for a long time unplayed, and I want to try and give them the impetus to start playing them. And there's not there's not a lot of those. There's two of those, and to be honest, I just put together things that I really want to play, that I enjoy playing, I know I enjoy playing, and I want to get more plays of. So. I don't think there's any real sort of outliers in terms of this war is mine and war quest, but there's a couple of ones that will be a little bit more difficult to get to the table for sure. To me, this didn't seem like the best way to manage those having happened what happened last year, because I'm kind of setting like what I said, set myself up for failure, whereby I'll feel like I haven't done what I set out to do. So those games, I'm trying a different system of getting them played. We'll see how successful that goes. You know, I've got my weird shelf thing now, haven't I, where I've got to go, that needs playing, that needs reviewing, that needs videoing, that's an old game that needs playing again. I've done this weird filing system with my game. So I'm hoping that will help me get those played. And I tried to be realistic here in games that I thought I've got a chance of getting, well, doing better than last year. I'm not going to do 10 by 10, I don't think. Yeah, I've definitely got ones that I know Natalie 
will go to and choose as her choice as well. So yeah, there's definitely an because the ten by ten is challenging. Even if I picked the ten games that I went, I'm most likely to play these ten times this year. I wouldn't do it. Yeah, without some focus and and really digging into it. Okay, you good? I'm good, Ronan. Do you want to lead us in with your first one? Yes, I went alphabetical, which I did not. I think you didn't. So I went alphabetical, but I realised that you'd have to actually see it written down for this to be the first in the alphabet. It's Seventh Continent. Now, Seventh Continent for me was a kind of funny victim on release of a, a media backlash because I was watching reviews that came out within the first week or two of it being released and they were saying, it gets boring, it gets samey. We played this game for 28 hours over the weekend and got really bored of it by the end. Uh, well, what can you do duh. for 28 hours in a weekend and not get bored? I mean, drugs, drinking and sleeping is about the only thing I can think of. So not not a binge watch sort of a game, in my opinion. I've already got eight plays of it under the belt. And when I say I play, that's usually I get it out for half an hour and about an hour and a half later, I end up putting it away because it's got a real easy save system. I really enjoy the exploration of it, creating my own narrative, realising that I'm doing something stupid because I've been lost in my little bubble. I'm like, oh, I'll follow these footprints and I, I get in the middle of nowhere somewhere and I'm like, oh, what did I do this for? Oh, I've got no food, I'm going to die. And then having to start again. But starting again is fun. I've got a rake of curses in the content I have already I haven't used. I've got the, uh, the expansion turning up at some point this year. It is a go-to solo relaxing game for me. I don't often play it with other people. I mean, it's fine to play it with other people. I'm not sure I get that much from playing it with other people. Maybe that's just me. So it's to remind me to take some downtime and just chill out sometimes and just have a little bit of quiet and not racing to do a pit stop, racing to get things reviewed, racing for work, going after the family, picking them up here and there and getting those things done to just take the odd hour or two to just play these cards out, get lost in this little world, enjoy myself, see what happens, see what's in the box. There's tons of content there to explore. So Seventh Continent is my first choice. Good choice, Ronan. I think I will probably finally sort of break into my copy of Seventh Continent this year. I don't want to put the pressure on that I'll be at 10 by 10, but I'm, I'm certainly hoping to break it out and start exploring, exploring the game and the boundaries of that game. So yeah, good shout. You explore your boundaries, bad boy. I will. So, my first choice, I'm hoping, is my Orléans. It's the game that I know already really, really enjoy, and I think it just won't be a chore to play this one at all. It's Viticulture. My only stumbling block is Natalie's a bit, not sure, but she's always happy to play it. I know that, talked about Matthew Jude earlier on, I know it's one of his favourite games, so I know I'm going to be able to convince him to play it. And most people tend to enjoy viticulture and it's very high on people's ratings so i'm going to bring it to aircon i'm going to try and get some plays down there with anyone who'll play with me and i think it's going to be easy Ronan, because i really really enjoy it i've also got tuscany the expansion for it so lots of stuff to throw at it i've got some of the small card expansions as well and yeah it's it's not a chore to play this one at all yeah viticulture is a, a fine euro i've certainly experienced backlash to it around me but I, I don't experience that I think it's fine as long as it's played quickly and competently it can really drag out if uh, if you're not playing 
to win. It really needs to be played as a race and be like, right, boom, boom, focus, ding, 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 ding. Here's a couple of cards that help me and I'm done. At a short play length, under 90 minutes, I enjoy it well and I'm happy to play and join in with you. Very good. Okay, your number two. My number two is a game that Rachel and I have both committed to play more and it's Arkham Horror, the LCG. It's another one that we played on the cruise and we've played prior to that. We played through the starting short scenario uh, campaign and we've dug into the first cycle. I've got the first three cycles, all of them, and the start of the fourth one that's just come out. We have only got as far as midway through the first cycle. So that tells you we've got a lot of content to get through. Even now, and what I've done is I've looked obviously at scenarios later on. So not from playing experience, but even the ones we've played and looking at ones further ahead, the variety in setup, the variety in challenge, what it does with that setting. Obviously, aspects of it have been taken into Arkham Horror 3rd Edition, which we've been discussing previously. We just enjoy it so much. The deck building, the cooperation, the fact you don't know what's going to come up. The scale of it is perfect. That You, you always feel like it's in a personal challenge. It makes it feel like you are in this setting. These characters are important. It's not just faceless people. And you've got real decisions to make. And the fact that if you do something in one scenario, it can come back and haunt you later on, like we've annoyed a gang and they're going to come back and annoy us because we broke into the speakeasy or whatever. Very memorably, the uh, Essex County Express scenario where we're on a train and as you start trying to run through, the train starts getting sucked in carriage by carriage from behind you. So these locations are disappearing and you're trying to run forward. But every time you enter a carriage, it may well be something terrible's there. And then there's like hands of steam reaching out to grab hold of you and burn you. And then there's, there's victims that drop and you're like, oh, can you take the time to save them? If you let them go, it's going to damage you, you get horror really innovative in, in the way it uses the card setting within the bigger setting of the, of the whole Arkham thing. So we've absolutely loved our play so far and we've both committed to carry on playing it more. We're both eager to crack on with the stories and develop our character decks and then develop new characters as we go on and play more. So Arkham Horror, the living card game, is my second pick. Yeah, kind of on a, on a bit of a hate fest for Fantasy Flight LCGs. I just find them very faffy and... There's a big hump to get over with them, and I'm not really sure I want to, but I've heard enough from you about this game. Obviously, the subject... I've heard enough from you. I've heard enough from you, that's (laughs) it. I've heard enough from your good self about this being a great game, and obviously the the setting itself is something that I'm familiar with and enjoy, so I think I do own it. I think I'll be giving this one a go and finally sort of diving back into the LCG setting, but it could be the death knell. If this one doesn't sit right for me after a few plays, I could be me done with LCGs. As I sit here looking at thousands upon thousands of cards of LCGs, I'm just weeping. So <laughs> I'll never get them all played. Uh, yeah, I've pledged to uh, to reteach you this one, which I'm more than happy to do, and it's definitely less faffy then uh, Netrunner's got a lot going on. or I know yeah. Game of Thrones living card game, we played a, a bit, and there's a lot of decisions and stuff going on there that, that's quite meta. This is this is much slim, more slimline than those. Cool. Right, so my next one, I think, is another shoe-in. It's a game that I've already played in 2019. It's a game that we, myself and Natalie, both adore. It's Raiders of the North Sea. 
a really interesting uh, mechanism in so you place a, place a worker and you have to take a worker up to do your two actions. It's exploring. It's a quite combative in that you get into places before each other. You're not fighting with each other, but you're certainly denying people things. Always loads to explore in the base game itself, but I've also got the two expansions and the the big box that holds everything. I adore this game. I adore the series, and this very much to jewel in the crown of that series. And yeah, I can't see it not being played at least five to eight times, and hopefully ten. Yeah, you've again another one you've promised to teach me several times. So I've never taken the plunge and bought it. It was up for trade in the UK Mass Trade this month, and I didn't actually go for it because I'm trying not to get games that you've got, like Gizmos. I'm trying not to get because we're hopefully going to play it together. Another thing that we need to play more games that are not just for review together, swap games over, you know, the, the thing we've been talking about. So uh, I'm holding on. I'm in anticipation. I've heard lots of good things. You need to bring it down for me to play. Yeah, we, well, I did actually bring it down recently, Ronan, but we chose something else. <laughs> Again, we had to. <laughs> True. This is true. Okay, so your next one. My next one. Now, I tried not to put too many of these in. It's a game that I've played recently that I've really liked, and we've reviewed it, and that I wanted to make sure it didn't fall out of rotation. Now, I know that these have proven to be harder to get the 10 plays in, so I will be happy with just a few more plays of this. I think you're still making your mind up about it. It's Australia, Sean. I think there's lots of variety in the setup. There's different ways to play. Whether that variety will stand up to a dozen plays or more, I'm not sure, but I'm really eager to find out. And it's one that's flown under a lot of radars and not a lot of people seem to be paying it much attention. So I'm quite happy to uh, to go out and preach about this one and, and spread the word and show people that it is, in my opinion, a very good game with even more plays because... I'm at that stage of gaming now where if I've played the game five times, it's not going to break into my top notch. I need to have played it 10 times or something like that. It's very difficult to get into my, you know, I absolutely love them keepers. But Australia's got that potential and I'm going to give it the more plays, I hope, to decide whether it is a real upper echelon game and it stands up to those repeat plays. Yeah, for me, it's whether the the bits that I find really irritating, the action selection mechanism and where you sort of move on the timer track, if you want, that kind of irritates me a little bit, and the combat mechanism in itself is quite irritating. As long as they don't sort of ramp up and get more irritating, then I think the rest of it is actually quite interesting, and I'd like to explore it more. So maybe a couple more plays for me in, in Australia. So I'll hopefully crack two of them off your list. I'll lure you in. It's fine. <laughs> okay, so my next one. I've actually started quite strong for my shoe-ins, Ronan, because... I'm cracking. None of them are shoe ins. Every time you say these are shoe ins, I'm laughing to myself. (laughs) 10 plays of anything, as you know, is hard. Shoe ins for not zeros, right? (laughs) Okay, right. So this is a shoe in because I know I've already played it. (laughs) (laughs) It is Mr. Cabbage Head's Garden. You've got about eight plays of that already. Yeah, I love it. Love it. Myself and Natalie reviewed it last episode. We both absolutely... This is cheaty pants in this one. <laughs> I'm choosing the game I've played a rake of times already this year. Not a rake of times, not a rake of times, a couple. A rake of times. <laughs> a rake. And, yeah, we, we both love it. We, we said it before, Ronan, and I used the same term in my review last last episode, is that it's just a very charming game. The art is very charming. The story behind it's very Victorian and charming. And 
you just it's just a relaxing game that you do have a little bit of thought on what to do and where to do it but it doesn't take over your brain sort of thing so very much the setting when we went to oxford sitting in the inspector morse room with the open fire that was the setting and we just a relaxing game of this with a couple of beers so mr cabbage head garden two player game that myself and that both enjoy i think it should be right up there in terms of plays so a couple of things. Firstly, I've got no idea what you said in your review because that episode's not out yet. I know, that's why I'm going, yeah, that's, I know, that's, that's why I'm going over what I said. <laughs> okay, thanks. Just to bore the listeners, but for, for my pleasure. Secondly, and really importantly, Sean, I got a little bit confused in your pit stop. Are they solo rules or not? Oh, I don't. Half, half, <laughs> halfway through my pit stop, I realised that I hadn't stated that I was playing the two-player version or showing the two-player version. So people are like commenting like, no, you've put the wrong amount of that out and you've put the wrong amount of these out and you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I did, if if you get to minute four, that's when I tell you. <laughs> I filmed my Space Corp one just after that and those comments came in. I was like, these are the multiplayer rules of Space Corp. Get us straight in. <laughs> Thanks for, for letting me learn. Uh, when you are done with this for a, a couple of weeks... Please give it to me so that I can play it solo because I've been enjoying a few solo uh, puzzly games recently. So I'm very interested in getting it played. I'm a bit gutted you chose to review it with Nathalie and not me, so I haven't got that excuse to play it. But uh, I, this is definitely a, a loan me, this one. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We'll, we'll fire it down to you. Okay, my next game is going to be familiar to Sean's ears because he's heard it mentioned about 38 times in recent months. It's a game that's eight years old that I haven't played in four years, which seems ridiculous. It is the sci-fi deck builder that Rachel keeps asking for, Sean. Oh, what was it? I know. (laughs) Core Worlds. Core Worlds, that's it, yes, yes. So for some reason, Rachel has decided recently she really wants to play Core Wars. I know she likes it. I really like it. We used to play it back when we first got together more than four years ago, and it's just completely dropped out of rotation for no reason. There are two expansions in their box, in the box, one of which is straight in there. You can just play with the base game. The other one's a bit more complicated, which uh, we haven't rolled in fully into rotation yet. So I know Rachel's eager to play it. I know Sean's eager to play it. I'm pretty sure Eddie's going to like it. She likes a bit of deck building uh, with, with some stuff on top. I really like it. So this is almost like a promise to Rachel that I, I do, I, I promise you, that it's been so close <laughs> to getting to the table that it keeps missing and something else happens that we are going to play lots of Core Worlds in the next few years. Core Worlds is such a good game. I think... The, the issue I used to have with it, because it was fairly early in sort of the, when I was getting into this this type of game and more in-depth gaming, it felt like it was really deep. But now, when we go back to it, it's actually it's still a good game. There's still a lot of thought involved, but it's not as hard to learn as I thought it was when I first learned it, if, you, if that makes any sense. So I was always a bit frightened by it. But now, going back to it, it's like nothing to be frightened of. It's, it's just a good, elegant interesting game so definitely we'll be glad to help you with this one Ronan yeah I think it just shows the fact that when it first came out it was one of the first deck builders other than Dominion to do something different and that deck building has now been rolled in so much to be an aspect of other games yeah we mentioned it all the time oh, a little bit of deck building in this game a little bit of deck building in that game that um these this now idea of using this novel mechanism as it was back in the day for us with more on top is no longer frightening it's just sort of standard and it almost feels before it's time in that way in the way it was designed and i wonder if it did get a reprint whether it would get 
more of an audience now because it would feel more mainstream rather than as a heavy sci-fi deck builder. It would be more of a medium weight sci-fi deck builder. So uh, I'm interested, maybe someone will, uh, will throw it out there. My next choice is one that I both have a great chance of playing in one, on one side, but over on your side of things, Ronan, I've got pretty much zero chances. Chronicles of Crime. And <laughs> you've obviously got started playing with Rachel and you're working through the missions with Rachel. And no, I'm... no, 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 no. Not with Rachel. This is the very, very, very rare game with Caitlin. Oh, okay. My apologies. The you're... child that never gets mentioned. <laughs> the dark child. <laughs> the hidden child. Yeah. So we you get her out the attic every now and then. You're playing this with Caitlin. There's a name that doesn't get mentioned on the podcast very often. <laughs> and I'm playing with Nat, and you're, sort of, you're working through your arc. We're working through our arc. So I haven't got really the opportunity to play it with yourself. But again, on the on the flip side, it's a game that myself and Natalie will, will put, definitely play. We're really enjoying it. Love that little bit of fluff with the 3D viewer and getting up and tripping over your chairs in your kitchen as you're walking around. And... Yeah, we played it the other night. Really enjoyed it again. Such a clever, interesting game. And I've got the Noir expansion already. I've already got the... I think it's... So you just you just downloaded that on the app, right? You can download but you need the cards as well. You need to buy the box as, right. as well. For Ignore it. that comment then. <laughs> and I think, is it Red View? Red View is, a, is like a, a more cartoony one set in a, a southern American state or a little town in, a, in southern America. So you already got the cards for that, although I haven't released the app for that. I think, again, I'm quietly confident that I'll get a few players of this in. Oh, welcome to Red View. I had no idea these were out, either of these two, by the way. There you go. I thought you could just play Noir on the app. Shows how much. So I haven't played through all the, um, the initial ones. We just, there's a sort of, campaign-ish one isn't it where there's three linked together yeah you've got the M Corporation one that's yeah we've just played the first one of that right uh, we've done the Egypt one we've done the tutorial so we've played it four times so far um, and and very much enjoyed it no, I've played it more than four times I've only logged four plays but I've definitely because I've taught it a couple of times anyway I'm just muttering to myself really good game <laughs> Sean uh, who knows I may well end up with with I know I'm maybe not quite ten plays because Caitlin's not that interested in board gaming or gaming but um the other day her sister had a sleepover for her 16th birthday and we sort of gave them the whole half of the house and we just went upstairs and this is the game Caitlin said yeah can we play Chronicles of Crime and then she went and watched YouTube with her earphones in while me and Rachel played something else fair enough fair enough <laughs> but if she is going to play a game it will be this okay next up Roland or, or it will be this that I segued myself there that's self segueing. nice <laughs> Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle Oh, see, I'm I'm both interested in this and not interested in it. I'm, I'm just not. Are sure, you? Yeah, I'm not all sure which way to go. <laughs> well, I don't know that I can help you with that. <laughs> um, it's a deck builder co-op game in which you face scenarios based around the seven Harry Potter books, and you play through them sequentially. As you play through them, you'll get more enemies come in. You'll get more cards available for you to purchase from the market for your own deck building. The challenge will definitely up and it will start getting tougher and tougher. And it builds in rules as well. It gets slightly more complex as you go through, which is a really interesting game design choice because 
The first game is a very basic cop deck builder. It's still quite fun, but you're, you're definitely in, in kids' gloves, right? But by the seventh game, I haven't got there, by the way, but from my understanding, it's quite, you know, a pretty in-depth game, which you couldn't play with their children of the same age. So whether they intend for you to play the same game again and again, and then when you think they're ready to step up, it's just this whole idea almost finds it hard to fit an audience. Forget that, because we've played it, uh, and we play it with all four of us. And one of the, let's call it, aspects of the game, a flaw sounds a bit harsh, is that the more players you have, the harder the game is. And what that turns our plays into is that we will regularly lose... Then, but then when you do beat a particular book, it actually means something. And it's like, you know, yes, we've done it. Of course, the other flip side of that is 11 year old doesn't want to play a cult game and lose it a lot. So it's that balance of, oh, yeah, like, are you ready for the challenge? Oh, dad, I don't want to lose again. Well, let's do our best, but we might lose. Yeah, but we might not. We might do it this time. And then we play it and then we probably lose. <laughs> so it's been an interesting journey so far so we've enjoyed it but I want us to go on because we're still stuck on Prisoner of Azkaban as it happens so we're not alpha playing or if someone wants to buy a particular card for thematic reasons we'll let them do it so Sean I almost wrote a Harry Potter book in that in the <laughs> take over yeah I'm always kind of put off by those sort of film tie-ins that actually have photos and pictures of the film itself I don't know why it's just just, just personal taste oh yeah i agree i agree and it when it first came out i thought oh that's just a mass market game it's not really for the the hobby gamers quite snobbish of me yes i know and then you picked it up and started playing it and i think if the price point was a little bit cheaper i think it goes for about 50 quid uh 50 pounds or there or so i think i may have picked it up by now but i'm not interested enough to pay that sort of money let's put it that way yeah, I don't think I paid that much for it because it's quite widespread now. I think when it was first coming out, it wasn't ever easily available over here, but you'll find it in lots of shops now. And obviously, the, the more shops it's in, the more widely available it is, the more the price slowly creeps down. Yeah. So I would think you'd get it for under £40 okay. somewhere I'll, I'll or keep, in a sale somewhere. Yeah, well. I'll keep an eye out. So my next one is one that we've talked about recently, and Ronan's actually garnered a bit of internet chat about recently as well. It's oh. Arkham Horror 3rd Edition. You cray-cray. <laughs> You're never going to play this 10 times. I probably won't play it 10 times based on <laughs> previous, previous, but it's the game, and I'll tell you why. Because I can't make my mind up about it. So, therefore, I want to explore this system. I want to try the new creatures. Uh, I've played it, I played it once already with yourself. I think my other play of it was, was just in 2018, so I can't include that. But I'm keen to explore the system a bit more because it is a streamlined system. It does play quicker once you know the game than, obviously not the card game, but definitely than Arkham Second Edition and Eldritch Horror. And I just want to see if I do enjoy it. I think I do, but I'm not 100% sure yet. So, yeah, really excited to delve into this one. And it kind of just fits in with my own personal wishes for this game is to get lots of plays under my belt. So I thought, just give it that extra impetus to play it by throwing it in my 10 by 10. It's one that we are a little bit at odds with uh, with Tom's review of it, aren't we, Ronan? Yeah, not not his opinion on how good he thinks it is, but yeah, just yeah. one aspect of, of what his review is. Just in general, quick, before we start picking on Tom, uh, I'm actually really happy you put it on here because I definitely want to play it more and, and do the same sort of exploration you have. My initial thoughts are, 
it's mechanically a good game. As an Arkham game, it feels like a misstep because it's a tight, thinky, efficiency, proper co-op game. By proper, I mean a mechanically co-op game where you must deal with certain things at certain times or it's going to spiral out of control, which doesn't give you the freedom to uh, to go off rails and make crazy decisions and follow story aspects and explore the theme, which is, I don't think, what people it's, are looking for out for It's certainly not going to be a hit with those hardcore Arkham fans that even refuse to play Eldritch Horror because they are Arkham and they've got all the expansions and they know all the rules and all the intricacies and they've played it a hundred times and those people are just not going to enjoy this game at all because it takes a lot of that faff away and, and it does make it a puzzle almost. Yeah, so the thing you're talking about with Tom is that he said he felt like the game played him and he was watching the game a lot rather than actually making decisions. I put up on Twitter saying, it seems odd that he'd say that about that, but he loves Mansions of Madness, where I very much feel, as much as I enjoy Mansions of Madness, I'm watching the game a lot, or I'm watching the experience a lot. I make a couple of decisions, you know, to some degree or other. I mean, I'm making decisions, how important they are, I don't, you know, that's that's a matter for debate. Paul Grogan definitely thinks they're not important at all, as we found out. 99%. That's, <laughs> yes, that's a valid opinion, man. You know, I, I, I definitely get where he's coming from. I might not go that far. But anyway, why? how Tom doesn't think that about Manchester Madness, but he does about Arkham, was just interesting to me. So I just sort of put it out there saying, what do people think? I think from people's comments, I got more of an understanding where Tom was coming from in that you are railroaded, in that you have to deal with these things. You don't have freedom to go and do other stuff. I I said it to you off air, and and this is supposition. It, it may be impolite, but Z was the one who knew the rules to Arkham Horror Third Edition, and he was the one who knew it inside that. So he was teaching Tom and Sam, which you don't see that often. And also when uh, Tom seemed to have no idea what the rules were, which is fine. But he was having to ask Z the rules questions, and Z was running it. And whether Tom was then in that position of being a secondary player just doing your own thing while someone else runs the game, whether he felt more like that or the game's just running itself. Well, no, you're probably, as a lot of us are, you're used to running games and you're used to teaching and you're used to being the one running the mechanisms and you're doing that now, so you feel less active. I don't know, that was just, like I said, that might be implied. There is definitely merit in what you say to a certain degree in that when we're Arkham, you could just say, you know what, I fancy going to Mars Boarding House because I just fancy maybe maybe they'll have a gun that I want or just want to go up that way and explore it a little bit and have a bit of fun. You can do that in Arkham because the the time frame... It's set in Arkham 2nd Edition. You need so, to yeah, yeah, true. So. Yeah. <laughs> you can do that in Arkham Horror 2nd Edition because of the time frame. Obviously, the story arc isn't as tight and the puzzle element isn't as tight. Probably less so in Eldritch. You kind of Eldritch is kind of in between the two. You do have to go and solve your puzzles and what have you, and you do have that sort of timer with you. But you can still go and have a little bit of an explore. In this one, it's not. You you kind of you know where your hot spots are, and if you don't deal with the hot spots, they become absolute just game killers. So you've got to go and deal with them, and you've got to go and deal with the next one that comes up, and very few opportunity for you just to go off on a tangent. So yeah, I kind of get that, but I still don't see that the gameplay tube is definitely some very interesting decisions in terms of the co-op play needed. What's a hot spot not? Go on, I've forgotten. 
hot. Oh, man. God, please. What, at the back? Anyway. <laughs> My next choice, Sean. Go on. It's not out. I don't know how you play it. And I've got no idea if I'm going to like it. It's a good start. I can almost guarantee you're going to have 10 plays of it. Oh, I know what you're going to say. God, yeah, yeah. I'd probably, I, you know what? I'd probably have 10 plays of it myself because we are. I'm not, not as, I'm not as excited as you are, but I'm very excited by it. Go on, tell them what it is. It's Journeys in Middle Earth. Whoop, whoop. Coming from Fantasy Flight Games. Sean dropped the bomb on me a couple of episodes ago when I had no idea it existed. <laughs> it had just been announced. And uh, obviously now I've I've gleaned some things about the game. Um, I don't think it's exactly a Descent sort of a thing, Sean. No, it's not exactly. Um, no, no. Not, not no, there's a world I'm map. Just, yeah. And there's the story going on on the world map. And when you choose to have an encounter... That's when it goes just to a battle board. It's not a dungeon board or there's no exploration and stuff like that. And then it becomes almost a mythic battle sort of a thing, whereby you lay out two boards. There's some scenery on there. That was easy to say. Some scenery tiles. And you then play a tactical miniatures fight, not exploring or encounters or anything like that. And when the fight resolves, that's going to have an impact back on the world map as to what happens on there. And you're playing in some way cooperatively to prevent, obviously, the forces of darkness from, from taking over the world. And then, you know, you might have to go to a castle in Angmar or you might have to go around down around Isengard and deal with some business, wherever it might be. So not what we first, initial first blush thought it was going to be, Obviously, it's going to hinge a lot on how good that those tactical battles are. Are they really interesting? With the app running the AI, that's going to make those battles a lot easier to play than it is trying to get the two players together for Mythic Battles Pantheons, which I just keep talking about and I'll stop. So I'm going to, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get lots of stuff for it. I said <laughs> initially, what did I say about getting all the expansions? You're definitely going to get all the expansions. And what was the first thing they announced as an accessory for it? A big neoprene playmat. For 40 quid, to which I said, well, I'm not getting that one, but I'll get all the other ones. You'll get it's just that. A mat to put, it's a mat to put your tiles on. You'll it's a get mat. it. It's, a, it's got no function. Don't matter. No function to it. It's Middle Earth. It'll be pretty. And you'll, once you see it, your eyes will light up. And before you know it, it will be in your hands and you'll be walking down the street going, what happened? There's one thing that this house is not short of, and that is maps of Middle Earth, my friend. You, I'm tripping over them. <laughs> yeah, Jenny's in Middle Earth. Yeah, exciting. Yeah, it's Go going on. to happen. So my next one is a game I owned, I got rid of, because oh, I'm not going to say I got bullied, but a lot of people who I trust said it was a poor game, so I kind of just took that opinion as, as gospel. And it's Champions of Midgard. And I've always regretted getting rid of it because I quite enjoyed my games. But people say, "Oh no, it's bad because of this, and it's bad because of that, and it's just, oh, it's not the, it's not this game, it's not that game." And you've got better. So I kind of, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, you're right, yeah. yeah. And uh, all, all these years, I've thought, you know what, I missed that game. I quite liked it, and I thought, you know what. Boo sucks, I'm going to go and get it. So I put it down on my Christmas wish list. I think it was my mum that got it for me with the two expansions that are out so far for it and played it with Natalie on Christmas Day or Boxing Day, I think we played it. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And that was like, I never understood why you got rid of it because I really like it. So I've already got my playing partner. We both really enjoyed it. Uh, it's down towards the bottom end of whether I get 10 plays 
or or even five plays of it, but certainly we'll get a few, and that's Champions of Midgard. You have chosen poorly. Yeah, get out. It was your you were one of the naysayers. Get out. Go on. I wasn't the big I wasn't the biggest naysayer. You weren't the biggest naysayer. There was a lot of people poo-pooing it. It's okay. It's not it's not any better than okay. So yeah, get out. look, I'll tell you what I'll do. That expansion that uh, the Dice Tower crew are always raving on about that changes it up and makes it amazing, whatever. I'll, I'll give it a run through that. Yeah, one. Valhalla. There's the Dark Mountains and Valhalla. I think Valhalla is the one that they say they wouldn't play without. Okay, well, I'll play it with and I'll, I'll give it another run. Okay, fair enough. Jolly good. So, my next one is a game that I have played and enjoyed very much in the past. And now I think I've got a. a ideal way to play it and I'm very good at teaching it that was a bit big headed I know the rules better than when I first read the rule book sorry it's Robinson Crusoe oh good game good game just such a good game and I I think that 95% of people who have ever played this game have only ever played the first scenario there were six scenarios in the base box there was two more that you could print out that were easy enough King Kong one and one that was about uh, the Beagle that actually sort of developed into that campaign expansion, the Voyage of the Beagle, mm-hmm. and there's more coming. The Lost City of Z is coming, or Z is coming this year. So it, it, the time just seems right. I haven't played it enough recently. I've got 14 total plays under my belt. It, it needs more. Uh, knowing that this was coming up, I dragged it out the other night, played a three-hander solo on that first playthrough. Uh, I'm competent enough now at that first one that i i will win it more than i will lose it which i think you know that's cool so definitely ready to explore further on i've played the cursed island which is the second scenario before where you've got to put out crosses and fog comes in makes things difficult it's really hard i haven't won that i've played jenny on the rocks we're trying to rescue someone also hard i haven't won that i've only played it once so now i intend to explore through those scenarios Dig into Voyage of the Beagle more. Looking forward to the Lost City expansion this year. And just really cement back in one of my favourites that, even though I've played it that many times, deserves more plays. So, uh, and, uh, man, the other the game I played the other day, I had so much fun playing it. It was really good. So, Robinson Crusoe. Yeah, Robinson Crusoe is one that played with you, Ronan. Like, absolutely adored it. Bought it, had all the, like, the King Kong and Beagle and all those sort of mini expansions and a Voyage of the Beagle I had and didn't play it for six months. Tried to relearn it. It was an absolute pain in the bum. Played it, obviously frustrated by trying to relearn it, didn't enjoy it as much. Left it six months, learned it again, same, same thing, traded it away, went and played it at yours, loved it again. So... Basically, I don't need to own that copy because I don't play it often enough. But what I can do is go to you because you own it and you will run the game and teach me the game again and refresh my memory. And I'll only ever really play it with you or somebody who's really familiar with the game. So I don't need to have it is what I'm getting at. But it's a fantastic game. Yeah, and why I think that most of my plays with this will be solo is that I've been waiting with it to have other players, and again, this I don't want to sound bigger than anything, but I are familiar with it enough that moving on to the other scenarios is worthwhile because they're harder than the very hard first scenario. And I just don't think it's going to happen. And I think I've kind of come to the realisation of just explore it by yourself. You know, you really enjoy playing it solo. So play those games solo. And then when Sean wants to play or Rachel wants to play or whoever wants to play, great. 
we'll go back to the first one and you won't have played it in ages and you know and you'll enjoy it and every game's different because of all the events and everything so it's not you know you're never going to get bored of playing that first scenario but the exploration of further in i'm probably going to have to do solo and I'm, I'm happy to do that okay so my next choice is one uh it's it's kind of my this war of mine esque uh, oh. one of one of my two sort of this war of mine esque uh, choices and it's it's solely because I've had this game so long it was one of the first games I ever bought and I've never played it because I was terrified by learning it and the deep rule saying it's mage knight oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I'm not going to get 10 plays but I want again I want the excuse to try to play it a few times I want the excuse to learn it and play that introductory scenario and then try and push on from there and maybe learn it with with Natalie who will be learning it with me so she will we'll be on the journey together it's, a, it's an undertaking there's a reason I haven't played it it's for all these years it's been sitting in my collection but I, I really want to play it because I've heard it's very good. This is a big ask. Yeah, this I know, I know, I know. There's a couple of them that are big asks. But. Okay. So the good news for you is if you ever get to play with Puria, he just bought the uh, the essential big box edition or whatever it is, and he's desperate to play it. So, But the, the reason why that's not getting played is because we play Gloomhaven when we're playing a long fantasy game. Yeah. If ever we take a break from Gloomhaven or what have you, I'm pretty sure that he's going to make me play it because I have some familiarity with the system. I've played Mage Knight a handful of times. I actually found I was constantly battling, not so much the rules, but the theme as well, whereby ruins or monasteries or a village or whatever, knowing exactly what was what and what I was likely to find there never really stuck in my head. I've always sort of been Mage Knight adjacent. I've now got Star Trek Frontiers, which I've tickled with a bit. And of that weird game filing system I was talking about, it's in the to-be-reviewed pile for older games, but it's probably about a year away looking at this pile. So in about a year's time, I'll be playing something similar to Mage Knight, but but based around Star Trek, which I know I enjoy more of the theme. So uh, I'm happy to to go through it a bit with you, mate, and help out. But I know that this is a huge ask. And yeah. I'm going to be honest, if this has got one play in it by next year, I'm gonna, I'd be surprised. Okay, there's, there's my new revised target. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and even then it'll be, you know, you'd have to play it again within a couple of weeks and then again within a couple of weeks is one of those to get it really sticking cool right let's crack on what's your next one my next one is Scythe which is a much discussed game still all over the place not least of all on a sporadically board so why have I put Scythe on here obviously we reviewed it I've played it I've played it on and off you keep promising to play this one don't you you keep promising oh, I need to play Scythe more to, under, to, to make my final choice oh yeah no so I have played it a couple of times this year just gone and I played it with my most regular gaming group of Puria, Jacob and Rachel they all liked it I think there's a fifth player as well I think liked it as well so basically the gamers I game with all like it so I'm like great this is my plan we're going to play it a couple more times to get familiar I'm going to introduce the old airships Washimui play it a couple of times with there and then I've got Rise of Fenris with 11 modules and also a campaign system which everyone raves about and then we're going to dig into that so that's my grand plan for Scythe for 2019 won't happen but I intend to make the first steps towards that. Cool. No, Scythe, you know, you know I love Scythe, though. It's, I know you it's love one Scythe. of my favourites. So, yeah, I'm 
definitely on board. Maybe I probably won't be able to play the campaign with you, but I'll certainly play some of those one-off games with you. Beautiful. Right, so my next one is a, it's a brand new game for me in terms of I, I got it around about the Christmas mark, December mark, and it's Coimbra. I've only played it once, uh, that was in 2018, but that one play did sort of open our eyes and think, yeah, it's a really interesting game. Zero theme, but a fairly medium to light dice manipulation and power manipulation game that kind of tickled my economic sort of wants and needs in games and it also has that you have to work things out right at the last minute and the seat of your pants and I quite like that aspect to it as well and I know that you're interested in playing it Ronan I know Natalie will play it I know Matthew will play it so I, I think it could get a few plays you you are very much my Coimbra blocker again. Same as Raiders of the North Sea, and I know you've got it. You got it before I did, so therefore I go, oh, well, I don't need to get it because Sean's got it, and hopefully eventually, eventually he'll pick it for review and bring it down so I can eventually play it, Sean. Him, him. I think, yeah, it's going to go in the next reviews, Ronan, definitely. You Is know, it? Oh. Yeah, definitely be one of the... You asked me last night what are my next three after we do our next reviews, and that'll be one of them, so there you go. Oh, nice, nice. That's coming together, that episode, nicely. <laughs> So, very interested. In fact, to the point where this is one where if I see it at a good price or in trade or whatever, I'll actually get a copy even though you've got a copy. The one thing, hesitation, is that thing that you say, how tactical it is that you're going on the seat of your pants, which sometimes I don't like. I like to have more of a plan, but sometimes I very much do like, and this is a, a suck it and see, very interested in getting this played. If we're going to review it, Sean, then that's, you know, you know that we're going to play it a few times. So, good choice. Happy days. Your next okay. one, your penultimate. My penultimate is inspired by Kickstarter well. because it's it's put this game back into the spotlight and lots of people are waiting for their deluxe edition to turn up off Snowdonia. Oh, yes, yes. A, a game that I know I really like. And again, I know Rachel likes. Got lots of fans around here. I have got four or five expansions in that box of the different cards you lay out so that the tracks and, and rules work slightly differently and have only ever played the base game which is a crying crying shame we are all the players around me are, are now familiar enough with the base game that we could start digging into those scenarios seeing how they play looking at the clever design that tony bordell did so snowdonia is on my 10 by 10 to explore all those extra decks that i've got for it well you know you're going to get that sort of influx when mine comes in i'm going to be wanting to play lots because i kick-started it so yeah i think it's a shooting for you really because you'll, you'll have your own plays and i'll get excited about it and want to play my my version so yeah none of them none of them are shoo-ins none of them well, you've learned nothing <laughs> well, no, i've already year. told you what a shoo-in for me is one play one <laughs> <laughs> okay. on, my penultimate one is my other oh why did i choose that one and it's nostalgia absolute nostalgia for this one it was oh, one of the first hard-thinky Euro games that I think we kind of stopped playing because it was causing too much arguments, but I think I'm ready to play it again. It's Puerto Rico. And, oh. yeah, I recently got it in a trade because I thought, you know what, I kind of enjoyed it, but I kind of remember it being a bit divisive. But I think now my gaming tastes have evolved I can cope with some of that stuff. I understand things like that a bit more. It was top of the BGG ratings for a long, long time. 
so that it got to be a good game, right? So I remember it being a good game. People tell me it's a good game. Maybe, maybe it'll click this time. Maybe I'll play it once and go, you know what? I've got to play that 10 times. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe I'll go, you know what? I know why I stopped playing that. <laughs> <laughs> This is a. Uh, <laughs> do you know what? I just thought you I did something funny here. I thought I'd look up Puerto Rico and see how many logged plays I've got. It. I've got two logged plays, Sean. Well done. Do you know how many times I've played that game? Because it's definitely a lot more than yeah, two. I even played at least fifteen because I've played it about six or seven. <laughs> yeah, it was before I started logging plays, yeah. and, and I'm not. I'm not perfect at logging anyway. I am not one of those players who's an expert at it, who will tell you, "Oh, you should have chosen that. You should have chosen this. You should have chosen that." I've seen that happen. So I'm not having this. Oh, you should have chosen that role. Should have chosen. That. If anyone wants to play like that, please go away. I'm not interested. Uh, I am definitely not good enough at it to be like that. So having not played it in a long time, I just looked. It, it's around six years. I don't know exactly since I played it. Uh, I'm I'm perfectly happy to dig in. I think it's a brave choice for you because it plays better with more players. Yeah, no, fair enough. Fair enough, Ronan. So my last choice. one, Sean. Yeah, it, it's a game that I keep mentioning. I keep coming back to. I've been high on. I've dipped on, but they're, they are renewing it and changing the format this year of time stories. So, Ooh, space... Sorry, no, just to jump in, me and Natalie have just made the decision to oust it from our collection. Well, give me back my expansions. Yeah, yeah, no, we're not going to throw your expansions <laughs> away. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> Although it would fetch more money. Um... <laughs> That you know, you were one of the excuses why I keep buying the expansions. So I'm like, yeah, I'll play them. Sean will play them. We're getting double value. Of course, we need to buy them all. Mm, we, we've, <laughs> where, we've, where did you get stuck on it? Uh, we played the initial, the initial one, the zombie one, and the the dragon one. And dragon one's the one. Yeah, yeah. And we we just we we just got to the point where we they were okay, but there's better games out there that, that sort of scratch that itch for us, like. For instance, Chronicles of Crime. It scratches that sort of puzzle itch much better for us. And yeah, we, it, it can go. We're not playing it. So not interested in the new expansions. And so the base game can go. We have a couple, of, have a couple of expansions thrown in, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Dumbass. Right. I know. And I fully understand where you're coming from. And obviously, I've mentioned before that it's gone downhill for me. But... I think, much as you said, nostalgia for Puerto Rico, it's kind of nostalgia for us. This is a game that we've played over the years. We sit down, we play it over two or three nights, take our notes, chat about it. You know, Rachel loves to take a note in a deduction game, so she really <laughs> loves, you know, being very thorough in, in, in and having every base covered. So we've talked about it, and I've mentioned that it's getting renewed. And in 2019, what they're doing is they're going to have a final expansion, I believe, called Madame, which will sort of tie off the story, but apparently not quite and then each expansion after that will be standalone and it won't follow that format if you play it and then you reset and you play it again and you reset and you play it again and also they're changing out something that in terms of you you don't just get thrown in or something into the scenario anyway they've revamped it so just for the sake of completion and for the fact that we do actually enjoy the process although sometimes the denouement ends up being unsatisfactory we want to finish off all the expansions of time stories. I mean, I've got them all. Why not play them? I suppose uh, we're as far as the Spanish one with the uh, with the geezer in the dungeons and all that sort of business. If anyone's played that, that's how far we got. 
So time stories, because it's another one that me and Rachel have discussed and said, right, let's, let's get these expansions played. In doing that, because we count each run through, we, we do a run through and we take our time on a run through and take our notes and all that. And then we'll go away and then we'll come back you know, the next day or a couple of days later and do another run through. And each of those counts as one play for us. So I think 10 is, is a likely target. Fair enough. And, and your last one, My Sean? last one, it's another one that I got rid of and re-bought again. It's Istanbul. Really enjoyed my first games of Istanbul. I traded it away because I was actually playing it slightly incorrectly and making the game a bit too easy. But the reason I rebought it is because it came out in the big box edition, which adds some elements that make the, the conclusion of the game a little bit more varied. That was my big problem with Istanbul is that it, it you tended to go down one path and one path was a little bit easier. I think it was the dual trader or what have you. It was a little bit easier than the other path to victory. And people tended to go down there. And if, if you didn't go down there, you tended to lose. So it mixes it up a little bit. Uh, we re-familiarised ourselves with, with the base game itself. Again, thoroughly enjoyed it. And looking forward to exploring those expansions and hopefully get a few plays out of it. So Istanbul running. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> I know you're not fussed by it. I know, I know. It's it's all right. You know, I'm not better than me. Decent. I'd play it again. Uh, you know, I'm not going to play it ten times. If you. <laughs> no, you know, I get that. I get that. Right. You 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 had me worried. I thought your set was much more realistic mostly this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, compared to the, the the shocking stuff that was on the first one, there's a couple of like, obviously Mage Knight is the big one that is is going to be really really tough, but. Even though I've gone for slightly longer games and more involved games, they're all things that I know I will enjoy or I'm really interested in exploring. So that's that's kind of the theme of mine. I'm hopeful for you. I believe in you. You can do this. Woot, woot. Shall we get to the outro? Let's do it. Okay, so... That was a lot of games you talked about there, Ronan. It was, as you just said to me in the, in our little bit of downtime, there is 40 games covered that we have a little little bit of a chat about. It did take a while. Wasn't this going to be an hour-long episode? Did we want, yeah, we this one was an easy one. 20 seconds about each game? We, yeah, <laughs> we're good at planning. This is definitely an exercise in hope more than expectation, I feel. Yes, I think there's some of mine that I think I'm going to really struggle I think there's going to be maybe a couple of yours that you're going to struggle with. I don't know if you're going to get ten plays of time stories in. Oh, that's one yeah, of the ones def- I'm more I'm more confident really? in time stories. Really? Yeah. Uh, I think I think you'll play it and be like, yeah, you know what? There's a reason this was coming up to me. <laughs> maybe. I think ones like Australia, Core World, Snowdonia, ones for you like Puerto Rico that they're sort of. Games that you'll go, oh yeah, I could play that. But I've got this other game I've got to review that's just the same. Snowdonia will get, as I said, Snowdonia. I'm more hopeful because I'll get excited when my copy arrives, and you'll probably have got a couple of games under your belt, and I'll sort of there'll be a little bit of a surge, a mid a mid season surge. Mid season surge. If you look at it right, doing this is you got to play twice a week. We are what something six seven weeks into the year, six or seven weeks. So we should be 12 or 14 games in, and we're definitely not. No. No. So you imagine 
carrying that going, can you see how you put yourself playing these games twice a week? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm just, <laughs> just on that. Why are we even making these episodes? It's quite fun to look back and discuss as well. It is for us. I don't know if there's any good listening how, to what, how, how inept we were at doing it. Mate, this, this, this has been six years now of how inept we are at all sorts of well, my, things. My goal, my goal is to not have any zeros this time. That's, that's like that's like my, my my main target. You've said that eighteen times now. Is this your one okay. by ten challenge? Yeah. Okay. So no, have no zeros and have at least two tens. There, there you Ooh. go. That's, that's my goal. I, none of neither of us had two tens this last year. No, so. we didn't. No. Okay. Uh, my goal is all of them to have five. Ooh. My goal is actually a ten by ten. Otherwise, there's no point making it a ten by ten. <laughs> my realistic now made it is, a five by ten. Yeah. So you know what I'm going to do now is I'll get one to five, then I'm just going to ignore it, and then I get another one to five, I'll just ignore it, then I'll be panicking around December again. And the, you know, the other thing I really didn't think about was the fact that Essen comes in October, and that just takes over gaming for like three months. It's just yeah. it. You're just playing Essen games. So it's almost like we're trying to do it in nine months because we know it's coming. Even though it's, it sounds like Essen might be less of a less of a hoolie for us this year, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. It's very early to be making those plans, but we'll see how it goes. Yes. So, mentioned in the last episode, Ronan, we're that little bit closer to Aircon. Are you looking forward to it? I know myself and Nat definitely said we were. Uh, no, no, I'm not. No, no oh, I didn't think you were. Yeah, you know, as people know, it's one of the games in which we, one of the conventions in which we just go and play games and have a couple of beers and relax. Uh, we'll be around. We'll have uh, probably a couple of these games we just mentioned with us. Look out for us. Sean's really tall and really broad, and uh, and not too much hair. And I've got a really square head, and I'm a bit smaller. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Natalie should be in a game pit top some of the time as well. So yeah, oh cool. And do you know what I'm looking forward to, Ronan? They, they talking Rachel into actually coming with me. I we had, we had to go. I, I had to go. You're a good lad. You're a good lad. Fighting the good fight. Come on, you want to come? You know you want to come. You know you want to come. <laughs> At one stage she was like, "I'll probably come up on the Saturday." So we're getting there. We're we'll getting see. There. <laughs> and also, Mark Cook announced that the board game quiz, which I enjoyed last time. Is, there's going to be an app. You, you answer the questions on an app, and it, and the people who answer quicker get more points. Oh, that's smexy. I like that. That is smexy. Well, anyway, enough of this nonsense. We've gone delirious with 40 games covered. Let's see these good people out. Okay, and as always, we are proud members of the Dice Tower Network. Go there and to the Dice Tower itself for gaming goodness galore. If you wish to download our episodes, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Podbean. And, of course, we do have our YouTube channel, where we have pit stop videos, which provide overviews on a wide variety of games. And there is also convention coverage within. We're on social media. We have a Facebook page. We have an Instagram account. And we are on Twitter at GamePitPodcast. If you wish to contact us, our email address is thegamepitpodcast at gmail.com. But the best place, and our favourite place, certainly to interact with listeners of the show, is on our Board Game Geek forum. So pop along there to have a chat with us. Thank you very much for listening to us, and we will catch you next time. Music by E. Aaron.
Bye. 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 Bye.